0: Three, two, one. Great.
1: Good evening and welcome all to the 16th meeting for fiscal year 2023. Um, At this time, I would like to now call the meeting to order. Um, To begin, um, let's introduce ourselves to to the public. Um, If we'd like to begin, Sean.
2: Sean Fahey, member. Rich. Buehler, member. Cheryl. Cheryl Togayas, secretary. Maggie. Uh, Maggie Oldfield, member.
1: And myself, Meredith Hall, uh, chairman of the planning board. Um, And now to introduce our staff. Uh, Tim.
3: Uh, Tim Zerwinski, director of planning and community development. Uh, Josh. Josh Lee, assistant town planner.
1: And Julia. Julia Getman, clerk. Great. Thank you all. Um, so we can now go to our administrative items. Um, and let's begin with the approval of minutes. Um, we had last um, meeting deferred December eighth um, for just a review of some edits that Cheryl had made. Um, and then we also have our January twelfth. Has everybody been able to review those minutes? I also circulated edits for the January
4: twelfth. Everybody get those? Correct.
5: Yes, so the only edit I had on January 12th was where um, it said that Stack had recommended that four one one and a half to two inch caliper trees, but it was actually just, he stated two inch trees. I went back and I listened. I'm sorry. Can you so it was just two inch. It was just a two
1: inch. Oh, inch. I see. Okay. It
5: wasn't a one and a half to two. It's just. I got
1: Okay. Okay. So we can delete the one and a half. Yes. Great. Is that amendment acceptable to the members? Yes. Great. It is to me. Great. Okay. Then with that, can I have a motion to accept the minutes for December eighth and January twelfth? So move as amended. Second? Second? Great. Roll call. Maggie? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. Rich? Yes. Sean? Yes. And myself, yes. Thank you. Minutes are approved. All right. Uh, and then moving to the discussion of our next meeting dates, um, we have, as you all recall, February 9th scheduled, which we had uh, moved the public hearing for 1200 Hill Road. So we committed to that date um, and uh, we'll have some other big things coming on at that time. So uh, February 9th and then um, I have February 23rd. Is that
2: correct, Tim?
3: Or did we change? Right. I'm just bringing my calendar up. Um, so yeah, the, um, the the 9th and the 23rd would be our, our regularly scheduled um, planning board meetings. Um, we've also, we, we penciled in the 16th for an MBT communities public forum. We'll discuss that later. Um, and then I had emailed the group. I don't know. I don't want to steal your thunder, Meredith. You if you wanted to talk about this, but we had gotten a request from the, um, the memory care applicant to consider an adjustment to the March schedule, um, in terms of opening a public hearing for that project. Um, February, March, uh, except in the leap year, very very fun. Um, All the dates are the same. So the 9th and the 23rd are the regularly scheduled meetings. Um, The request is to bump that schedule a week. So meeting on the 16th and the 30th instead. Um, um, They they won't have materials ready for the 9th, but will have materials ready for the 16th. Um, And that accounts for advertising for the public hearing and everything like that. So... Um, still two meetings in March, just bumping them each a week. Um, so it's uh, it's up to you all.
1: Does that seem to work for everybody to move those March dates? I know we're we're looking a month ahead, but um, just to, for scheduling purposes at this time.
6: Can you re- repeat those dates? I'm sorry, Tim. Yeah, same, please.
3: So it would be the the, the February uh, meetings are on the normal schedule, the second and fourth Thursday. Um, and then March would be um, March 16th and March 30th. I'm good with
1: those dates, but...
6: Rich here on mute? Thanks. Sorry. It, March 30th. I, I don't know why, but I have something on that day that says that I had to take work off for. So, I, you know, as long as it's nothing that I need to be on there for, I, I mean, it probably doesn't matter, but um, I may, I just have to look. I'll let you know tomorrow.
3: Yeah, I mean, the thinking here was to accommodate public hearings for the memory care special permit. Um, but, you know, under the... Um, Under the Mullen rule, you can you can miss one hearing um, as long as you watch the recording. So it's not it's not fatal to your ability to make a decision on that one. Okay.
4: as we think about these dates, I know we have 440 Granted Ave and we have the member care. Those are two large projects Mm -hmm. and, you know, we have an election in April and um, you need a certain number of votes for these um, and you can't vote on something if you weren't um, in the meetings prior to it so I'm wondering whether we need or whether we should pencil in a, a meeting a third meeting in March. Um, I just would. Um, I think it would be beneficial for it we don't have to do it now, but to think about it, as we think about two large projects In my experience on the board, those projects can take multiple nights mm-hmm. and um, You know, you'd really hate. We'd really hate to spend a couple of months on them and then not be able to get to a vote and have to start all over again. Um, So,
1: So yes. Why do we? Why don't we circle back? We'll have Tim maybe send out an email to everybody, and we can look at some of those dates and look at our calendars to see.
5: So yeah. So that was just my question. Because these are larger projects, do you really think they can be accomplished just in three meetings or four meetings? I feel like. Past history is it, especially if it's this big, especially the memory care, and um, granted, I have, I feel like it's going to be more than that. I mean, I just look at my personal experience, and you know, mine was not a change of use, and I it, that went on for thirty meetings. Maggie,
4: um, well, Mike, what I would say is. Um and I've had a conversation um, I think with Tim about this. If it wasn't you, Tim, <laughs> maybe it was Ned. But in any case, um, it's impo- like what we did at, um, in particular, I'm, I'm remembering uh, Walcott Woods is we mapped out a whole schedule. So we said, okay, the first night will be this, the second night, this, the third night, this. And so that we could um, have the appropriate consultants, team consultants there. And if we needed people on our end to be present, let's say it's the town engineer, whomever, um, that we could line people up in advance. And then also, if uh, members of the public are interested mostly, let's say in traffic, they would know which night is going to be traffic. So they don't have to attend four meetings in a row, for example, if they're not as concerned about something else. So I think that's a really good approach. And then what can happen is, let's say you start with an overview and then you start, and then you have. Let's say it's um, you know stormwater, so you can then get your questions together for stormwater. So stormwater comes back at another meeting. So you
1: know um, that so is so very- Tim and I can I, I think that's a great idea, Cheryl. Mm-hmm. So I, Tim, you and I can work on that and sort of mapping out sort of a progression. It's it's you know memory care is going to be very different because it's going to really involve you know conservation commission comments. You know we're, we're there's a lot to look at there. So um, but I think we can we can certainly do that, and and uh, that'll be helpful to the applicants as well.
4: And then one other thing I'll suggest is that we've done before too. If there's a lot of uh, public comment, is that um, we limit comp- public comment to three minutes. Um, that's been done on at this board. It's been done at the select board and other boards because um, it's important that we have time to get
1: through all the material and our and our questions. Yep. Yeah. Good point. Does that sound good. So Tim, you'll circulate. We'll talk about you know dates. Maybe thinking about an extra meeting if we need it yep. um, to have an optional date um, that that would be uh, nice to work in.
7: Meredith, um, just Tim, your your email. You were also suggesting uh, uh, another meeting in April in in your email.
3: Yeah, I I I mean just the general concept of mm-hmm. a or perhaps multiple extra meetings um, just to kind of keep that on on people's you know, radar. Um, so it it really is up to you. And, and I think, um, the progress of the hearing will kind of be dictated by events on the ground, I think.
1: Okay. Great. Yeah. So we'll be looking forward, looking ahead to those. We'll, we'll have a lot going on. And also,
4: sorry, just one more thing. I know it's in the mix and we'll be talking about, but just in terms of schedule is the zoning, um, the codification, the recodification. And um, Mm -hmm. we know how important that is to people, certain people in particular, like Joe Prande and Sue Galvin. So um, we want to make sure- That's on the agenda tonight, Cheryl. That's on later. But I just just want to also, it won't be, we won't be done with it tonight, Meredith. I just wanted to make sure that we have time for that in our um, upcoming meetings as well.
1: Great, thank you very much. All right, so um, then we can move on to Tim, your staff update.
3: Yeah, I'll I'll try to keep it brief because um, we've got a, a pretty full agenda. Um, we've been talking about upcoming uh, public hearings. Um, we've got an agenda item on our MBTA communities uh, public forum that we've scheduled for the 16th. Um, just a a little bit of news. Um, we've, we've gotten two responses so far to our East Milton, um, RFP, uh, which is great. Um, we won't be opening those until Thursday at noon. Um, so cross your fingers that, um, we got some good proposals. Um, they're, they're two, um, really good, really reputable firms. So hopefully, um, we'll have, we'll have some, some good choices. Um, one thing that, um, am We'll see what happens. Um, we we did not put a, a not to exceed price in the RFP, um, which which is a choice. Um, you can you can do it both ways, um, but but that was that was a question that we had gotten. Um, you know, in terms of you know what's the not to exceed on on this project, and um, I I think you know my thinking in in kind of not making that particular recommendation. Um, was, I, I just don't know how much these things cost. And I, I, I didn't want to, you know, recommend to the board, okay, we have X number of dollars, let's put that in. Um, you know, these proposals tend to drift towards the not to exceed, um, you know, but all of that being said, we have the $50,000, well, the $40,000 grant, the $10,000 in matching funds from MPIC, a $15,000 private grant from the South Shore Chamber of Commerce. And, um, you know, so I, I, I think that's a, a fair amount of money. Um, we'll see what the cost proposals are. Um, the planning board also has unaccounted for a budget for fiscal 23. Um, so that's just one thing that, um, you know, just to keep an eye out for when we open these responses. Um, the procurement that we did enables the board to use the selection criteria in. The RFP um, to make a potentially non-price related choice, so we're not um, required to take the lowest bidder. Um, you know, we can we can use the selection criteria that were in the RFP. One thing to think about, and I know it kind of is, you know, life comes at you fast. Um, you know, this time of year, I suppose. Um, Josh and I are going to be looking through the responses on Thursday afternoon for the the minimum selection criteria, which is kind of you know, checklist in form. Um, just make sure all of the submission materials are in. Um, if they're not, then you're out. Um, but it's going to be up to the board to decide if they want to bring in any firms to do interviews. You know, um, you know, and that'll be based on an evaluation of of the other selection criteria. Um, so you'll sort of rank the responses, you know, based on the criteria that are in the RFP, and, and you may decide, you know, it's this is a close call. We want to bring people in. Um, it may not be close, and you may just say this is a slam dunk. We're going to bring, you know, we're going to we're going to bring this firm in. Um, so that's, you know, we'll we'll once the responses are all in, and 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 maybe we'll get a few more before the deadline on Thursday. Um, we will send them out to the board, um, and, and we'll try to give you a little bit of a playbook for kind of what the next steps are, but, um, just, you know, with the understanding that, um, you know, we, we may need to schedule a session, um, probably exclusively for interviews, um, if, if that's the board's prerogative, um, but I think that's something that we can decide on, you know, probably next week, um, cause I think you'll, you'll have all the responses in time to review them, you know, for the February 9th meeting. So. Um, so, so you send
1: those out to everybody?
3: Yeah. So we we okay. we open them at twelve oh one on Thursday, um, and and we'll get them out as soon as um, as soon as we get those uploaded. Um, that that's it for now. Um, but if if I think of anything else, we've got enough agenda items to I think cover everything that I I would want to cover. Um,
1: that's great news, Tim. And I just wanted to reiterate, Tim, if you could, um, the MBTA. Um, our community forum, which is scheduled, we've scheduled it for February 16th. Have you selected a location or where are you thinking? Because I think it could be a, a sort of a large turnout for this.
3: Um, so we're, we're doing it remote this time. Um, okay. Just we have, and we will talk about this a little bit later. Um, you know, we have some some polling questions and we have some materials that is just it's just easier to manage that stuff remotely, um, especially, you know, in, in our kind of estimation as a kind of first educational meeting. Um, I think once it gets a little bit warmer, um, I think we're, we're going to want to get outside and we're going to want to sort of do, um, you know, maybe we could do something a sort of a, a tour of the neighborhood and maybe, you know, stop by Shields Park for some Q&A and discussion. Um, but I think just to sort of you know get this first one kind of on the books and and kind of get the information out there we just thought you know doing it remotely um you know would be would be best but i think you know in the future we'll definitely want to mix it up with you know again site visits um you know find a central location whether it's the council on aging or um or elsewhere the 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 other thing you know council on aging that room gets a lot of use and we want to make sure that you know we wanted to be nimble in scheduling this thing so we could get it done, you know, earlier rather than later. So, you know, the, the next thing that we do, you know, we'll have a little bit more time to to kind of, you know, do the do the logistics um and and kind of think about the format of it and and give Christine Stanton over on council on aging, you know, enough time. So um that's the thinking behind that right now.
1: Great. And how will you publicize that forum?
3: So um we um town website, town social media. Um, We had a thought to um, Josh, and we'll talk about this in a little more detail a little bit later, Um, you know, Josh created a a QR code for our, um, for our, we we put together a survey and we'll kind of walk through that survey as well. Um, But, you know, our thinking was, you know, posting at the MBTA stations, you know, and maybe some other kind of public locations, you know, along, you know, that area. Um, you know, obviously the web-based publicity is is something that, you know, goes wherever it goes, but I think kind of focusing in on, on that transit area in terms of physical materials um, we thought would be helpful. And, you know, we may talk to some of the businesses and see if we can get some some flyers up in the windows.
1: Terrific.
3: Um, any other ideas also are, are totally, you know, obviously welcome, and you should all tell your friends uh, to come.
1: Thank you very much. That's great.
7: Meredith, um, yes. just before we move on further, I just wanted to mention I am not available for the ninth. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I thought I had mentioned it a while ago, but I, uh, I I'm not I'm not here next week, so I won't be able to participate in uh, Tuesday's meeting.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, Sean. Um, and um, I think we had we were looking at that. I think before we had received all the materials at 4:40. So we were thinking it was just 1,200 Brush Hill Road was um, the public hearing being continued, but um, but it would be great if you can watch that um, the overview of that presentation um, so sure. that you can participate. Yeah,
3: yeah, and 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 Sean, as long as you watch the recording um, yeah. and you just sign a form, um, you're still eligible to vote in that hearing. So okay. you should be all set. Okay,
7: okay, thank you. I can do that.
1: Great. Thank you. Um, And with that, we can now um, introduce our uh, citizens speak. And I do see a a few hands. Um, There's a gentleman, uh, David Venizia, who had his hand up first. Uh, Josh, if you could bring him and welcome David to speak.
2: Great, well,
8: thank you. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I'm gonna try to go through it relatively quickly um, and stay on point. Uh, with those points that I felt were critical. So it's apparently an issue uh, with some floodlights that I have in my backyard. And they uh, actually light like, uh, the area beyond my backyard, uh, the area where um, park goers uh, walk to and from uh, the park. Um, we have uh, a problem. However, uh, it doesn't appear that it's been in any way uh, violent. But we have a problem with people congregating in the parking lot at Turner's Pond. And uh, the police um, address it uh, case by case. That is, uh, if one calls and reports that there's people there after dark, they will go down. Otherwise, they don't have a typical routine to drive through. And I am just—I still am working with the police to see if that would be uh, feasible. Um, the other thing that uh, was looked at is um, Kevin from the Park Department. Uh, I've also been working with him. Let me uh, just quickly define what the problem is so well, we can all be on the same uh, same page. Uh, okay. Um, so uh, there's four floodlights. Um, the issue is that we have experienced peak and toms uh, at the back of our house at the fence. Uh, the police uh, have been called and there was one time in particular that the gentleman was very uncooperative they called him a homeless man i'm not sure i didn't realize that there was such a thing in milton but um it was very scary uh, and what happens is uh people park first of all no one's supposed to be there after dark uh so after dark people will park there and and congregate and, and it's almost daily uh, but what they also do is before i had the floodlights they would sort of kind of uh, make their way behind my home because behind my home is where the bench, and uh, it's sort of like the, uh, the main area of the park. There's bench seating, there's uh, rocks, and so forth. So since I put the lights, uh, they haven't been doing that. So the lights are there for security. Um, and I don't know that they're affecting anyone or anything uh, negatively. Um, however, I have heard that some people are very passionate about uh Eliminating them, and I have always said, and uh, I I still feel the same way. I'll do what uh, we think is appropriate and necessary. I I have never uh, thought differently. I don't want to go against the grain. Um, I don't want to create problems, but I also don't want to be um, feeling insecure in my own home uh, as a result of uh, people congregating behind my home, uh, because like I said, they drift over uh, for one reason or another um, and that's no longer happening. Uh, thank God. so I have two little kids I'm a single single dad seven and eight and they are seven and eight years old. Uh, so these lights go on at dusk and they go off when my kids go to bed um, <clears throat> And uh, for the most part I turn in at the same time. so this uh, this uh, three to four hours that these lights are are on um, and admittedly they are they are very bright. Uh, However, though, mm-hmm. let me uh, really stick to the point. Um, I I sort of introduce this with let's define the problem. Um, who is being hurt or affected? Uh, okay, so there are no affected residents whatsoever. Um, my my home faces um, backside faces the pond, and uh, my neighbor to the right is not in any way affected. He's actually back about 30 feet and of course to the right. So uh, there is no exposure to the sky because of the heavy trees. Uh, Some people would say, well, you know, it goes to the sky and it causes birds to sort of uh, get disoriented or whatever. So uh, I've done the research and one of the issues, uh, if that were an issue uh, the fact that the tree line does not uh, allow the light to reach the sky, uh, that sort of answers that question. there are no legal park visitors affected what i mean by that is anyone that is there overnight uh is breaking the law Mm -hmm. right so if someone's saying oh i go by there it hurts my eyes well they're not supposed to be there after dark number one um and if that were the case because the light is bright should we uh take steps to eliminate the security because somebody who's already breaking the law is complaining that it might bother their eyes. And why would one stand there for an extended period of time allowing it to bother their eyes? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. So let me finish up uh, with these bullets. The the pond is not affected as the lights are ground level, The lights sit uh, on the ground. And so because of the natural terrain, um, the lights are cut off by the the hill and they never actually reach the water and from the water you can't see them if you're on the ground if you will so what i mean is between the lights and the water there's a hill so nothing in the water is seeing the lights um <clears throat> apparently uh, the parks department has no issue with the lights as the department has actually added lighting to the park's entrance last year uh the town is adding lighting and then meeting to reduce these meetings, this meeting to reduce the same. Kevin uh, Crimson, which is the park director, he and I have been uh, speaking for um, over a year and a half now about this and uh, the only thing we've been tossing up is additional lighting and Kevin feels that, or I felt at one point, uh, that uh, something with a motion sensor would be appropriate. in hopes of uh, 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 reducing the uh, attractiveness of parking there after after dark. So uh, essentially, my point is the right hand is trying to add lighting and has successfully done that already. And then the left hand is saying uh, there's too much lighting. Uh, just a just one more issue of the uh, that is a little bit contradictory and difficult to uh, understand. Okay, individual Milton police have actually complimented the lighting, remarking that they see less park visitors in the vicinity of the park's primary section, uh, adjacent to the parking lot. Just uh, an FYI. Um, Thank you. uh, and uh, you're welcome. Um, since the installation of the security lights, my family has not experienced any peaking um, as in the past when the police had to get involved, remove them, um, uh, my family feels far greater comfort as the lights have pushed the after dark lawbreakers to remain in the parking lot. If the law, as opposed to drifting uh, to darker, uh, equally dark areas, uh, if the lights are there behind my home. Um, <clears throat> if the lights are removed, lawbreakers, because they are breaking the law, right? They're there after, after dark, um, will migrate back over to behind my home where the dark masks them and uh, their potential deviant ideas. The last one, the town does not, oh, <clears throat> um, this is not meant to be controversial, to be controvert- uh, induce uh, controversy, um, but the town does not own the property, right? It's a state property. And maybe we have a charter as Milton uh, residents, uh, our administration it has a charter to manage the park uh, to some degree. Um, But how would a uh, bylaw for Milton be applied uh, as a result of uh, a concern that's not on Milton property? I don't know, Mike. You know, I consulted with an attorney today because of that question. Um, And and maybe you guys already know. You might have already been through it. But I think it's a good question. It's uh, state property, uh, and there's nobody there. There's nobody affected. There's no animals directly affected. Um, So I'm not quite sure what the problem is, Uh, if you you know what I mean. No one has specifically said, well, this is the problem. Or even generally, to tell you the truth, the only thing I've heard is they want to be shut. And so I want to work with everybody who who, is interested in coming up with a resolution. I don't feel the people who have so far been involved, since they haven't contacted me even once, um, I don't understand... Uh, how they then uh would appear sincere in trying to uh, come up with a resolution that works for everyone. Um thank now, you, you David
1: yeah thank you so much I, I do appreciate I all those comments. Um we we just have a big agenda tonight so
2: yeah.
8: I don't want
1: to cut you short but is um no
8: I I understand thank you actually for allowing me that much time. I think yep. uh, I was I... not expecting that it would be no, thank, thank you very
1: much. Thank you maybe i you could
8: comment. disseminate this uh, to to you guys at some point maybe and in in,
1: yes uh, you can get in touch. yeah I'm sorry With tim you can get in touch if you want to reach out to tim um in the yeah. planning department and,
2: and the, and, what and department? the yes. planning
1: department. yes
2: okay all right thank you
8: uh, and and, and just,
3: just for the board's edification, um, we, we did get an email um, through the TAT Administrator's Office from Mr. Venezia um, that came in a little bit late, so um, I just forwarded it to you. That's, um should be in your inboxes.
1: Terrific, Tim. Thank you. Okay, so um, the next, um, I, we have Jim Pelton, I believe, is the next person who has his hand up. Jim, go ahead. And... um. Uh, if you could please state your address. And I'm sorry, I didn't get the previous uh,
2: address, but we can look that up. Jim, I think you're muted. Jim, you can speak. it. If- You're unmuted now. Go ahead, Jim. Give me a minute. I think you may be having problems with your audio. You're muted again.
1: Jim, if it's okay, we can take the next speaker and then come back to you. Um, why don't we let um, Ellen, who has her hand up, and then we'll come back to Jim.
9: Hi there. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, my name's Ellen Stoddard. I live at 251 Canton Avenue. Um, and I'm speaking actually tonight in support of the outdoor residential lighting bylaw. Uh, I had circulated a letter within the community um, during the last week, and I have um, already received 80 signatures. Um, I will send the letter to um, to you all this evening after the meeting. Um, I essentially asked people to email me if they were in favor of the bylaw. And during that process, I became aware of um, at least 10 sites around town where people were enduring sort of a nuisance um, of poorly placed lighting. In addition to the turner's pond uh, situation there are a variety of other areas um, throughout town where people are um, trying to either resolve these situations um, neighbor to neighbor or they're just sort of suffering in silence because they don't want to stir things up with neighbors Um, so a primary primarily residential town like milton really should be doing more i think to ensure that that people who live here are protected from um, lighting that has actually been proven to be harmful for health Um, I just wanna provide a little bit of background on why this is important for Milton, um, for people who are new to the issue. Um, Massachusetts is actually the only state in New England that doesn't have a statewide legislation, which is guiding outdoor residential lighting. So we have to take this issue on locally in Milton. Um, There are 55 other towns in Massachusetts that have already done this and they have local um, lighting ordinances. So uh, again, a reason for Milton to jump on board here. And of course, there are a lot of uh, global citizen groups and local scientists um, and larger organizations like the Sierra Club uh, and the International Dark Sky Association um, that have gathered a lot of data on the effect of light pollution on human health and also um, the effect on wildlife ecosystems. So a lot of people have heard of um, nuisance lighting, which basically is lighting that just gets in your eyes and shines in your bedroom and it's unpleasant. Um, But some of these lights are actually bad for health and there are scientific studies to back that up. Um, humans and plants and animals uh, depend on natural cycles of light and dark, and these artificial lights can can get can disrupt those cycles. Uh, I don't think that most people even know that this is the impact that light is having, and and um, unless you're a scientist, you probably um, don't understand the impact it's having on the natural surroundings. Uh, I'm not a medical doctor, but I have read some of the um, the scientific research on on health, um, things like melatonin pr- production, um, which is suppressed when we don't have enough uh, natural night. Um, and then beyond humans, there's just so many things in our natural world that we don't know that happen at night. Um, for example, uh, songbird migrations and shorebird migrations that um, birds that get disoriented by sky glow, and then of course, um, lights that are reflecting off of of large bodies of water. So in conclusion, um, we're supporting this bylaw because we think that it will help to raise awareness among our citizen population. Um, And once it takes effect, we can make immediate steps um, to to change outdoor lights so we can make sure outdoor lights are shielded, um, that they are at the right lumens level, which is basically the brightness. Uh, They're pointing down and not out into public spaces. Um, or into the eyes or the windows of neighbors. Um, So I think in Milton, you know, our our humans and our animals deserve this level of respect. And I look forward to continuing to garner citizen support for this bylaw. Uh, And I also thank you um, for acknowledging this situation that needs uh, immediate attention. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Ellen. Appreciate your comments. Yeah. Okay, next, um, I think we lost the previous gentleman, but uh, we have Katie uh, Lagan next. Katie, go ahead. Hi, Hi. can you hear me? Yes, and if you could state your address, please. Sure,
10: Um, my name's Katie Lagan, and I live at 544 Brook Road. Um, And I'm also calling about the lighting situation um, at Turner's Pond. So the back of my house faces Turner's Pond and the lights that face the pond on Central Avenue, on the Central Avenue side. I would say it's probably about a half a mile from my house but the lights are unnecessarily bright. Um, And I've seen them on, I would say many times at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., they're not shut off after three hours because I've seen them several times just by happening to awaken at that time. But having said that, I'm concerned um, that adding a bylaw would be burdensome in terms of enforcement and would have unintended consequences to other people in the town. Um, For instance, I have a a small ice skating rink in my yard and we have a light on it sometimes at night. And I would be concerned in situations like that, that a bylaw would cover something or it would cause a problem. Um, So I'm hoping that we can work with the neighbor somehow to maybe make those lights less bright or maybe have lights in the parking lot where he's concerned. So, I mean, we can see these lights from our house very clearly. Um, So, they're not just regular sort of floodlights in the backyard. They go straight out over the pond. And I do think that they are um, of concern. But, like I said, I think a bylaw might be um, a little bit burdensome in terms of enforcement. And also, it could bring up all kinds of issues with lights.
1: So, that's all I have to say thank you for listening thank you Katie appreciate your comments too that's great uh, next we have Kelly Lenz Carr if we can let Kelly all right
11: hello have I successfully unmuted myself you are you're in welcome Kelly Excellent. You could... thank you so much I'm Kelly Carr and I live on 348 Central Avenue and I do not see David's lights because I'm positioned in a way where I can't actually see them. I am, however, concerned about the bylaw because of the use of the word nuisance rather than a definition of what actually makes something a nuisance. And I offer, by example, my very good friends and neighbors three doors down have some very bright lights on their driveway, which they need to because the students who are going around the pond to drink at night, use their driveway as the current egress since the pond is so well lit up now. <laughs> um, and those lights are very bright and they shine into my bathroom. Now I could, if I weren't good friends with them, I could call that a nuisance or I could go, hey, I don't need a nightlight anymore, right? So I would love it if we, if they do put in a bylaw that we put some definition around what constitutes a nuisance and at what number of lumens, and at what angle, and what distance, etc. Simple nuisance is going to end up having neighbor versus neighbor, and I don't think it's going to resolve anything. Um, That all being said, uh, just a couple of quick notes. Uh, As I said, the lights on the pond have absolutely reduced the traffic. They're coming through my neighbor's yard to get back behind the pond to drink. Um, The lights are visible. Um, after 10 p.m. all the way at the corner of Brook Road and Canton Avenue, and the animal life is absolutely affected. We've had coyote fest here for the past couple of weeks. It's that time of year again when they're friendly uh, with each other, and instead of them being a little further down the pond, they are now in my backyard. Um, I don't mind. I keep the doors closed, and we look out and go, oh, look, there's coyotes, but There are effects of those bright lights, and that is all I wanted to say. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Kelly, really appreciate that. Anyone else for citizens speak? I'm not seeing any other hands at this time. So thank you. I appreciate all those those comments. Um, We can now move on to new business. Um, and we can let, um, the team in from the Highland Memory Care Project, uh, for the discussion and vote on scope of vehicle access, egress, and maneuverability plan.
3: So, so just by way of introduction, um, yes. the, um, the memory care zoning that was passed, um, at the March, February 22 town meeting, um, requires the planning board to approve, um, the scope for the review and analysis of, um, and I believe it's it's accurately put in the agenda, um, vehicle access, egress, and maneuverability plan. Um, this is um in, in kind of shorthand the swept path analysis. Um, that that shows different size vehicles being able to safely uh, come in and out of the site and navigate around the site, um, particularly um, emergency vehicles. You know, the fire department ladder truck, as well as some of the larger delivery trucks um, that that you're going to see. Um, the the board The board has already um, taken some action, um, not on this, but on the scope of the traffic analysis, which is also required by the zoning. Um, so. Um, here we are, um, there are some materials in your folder, um, and I believe that, um, is Ned Is Ned in, or? He's
1: not yet, he's still in the attendees.
12: No, Ned is in and unmuted. Oh. Muted, but I'm not otherwise on the panel.
3: Oh, did you just allow him to talk, or?
2: I see
12: him, up. I
3: him
2: up? he's on the panel.
6: He can. I can see him straight up
1: you on my screen okay ned
2: you're here great welcome ned so um thank you and uh thank you for the
12: discussion earlier about the schedule um one of things i'll just say quickly with respect to the schedules that we anticipate starting the hearing with the conservation commission on uh March 14th, which would be that Tuesday night, and so um, we would look forward to hopefully starting each hearing that week 14th and 16th and then a joint site walk uh, with with the two boards and then obviously pursue uh, each uh, each hearing as, as expeditiously as 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 appropriate, given the, the complexity uh, of the pro- of the project. Um, if I can share screen. Um, let just go to full screen. Uh, I submitted two uh, items. One was a word document that had a a, a, ru- a description of a scope, both for fire equipment review and for delivery truck uh, that's in front of you. I noticed a typo, so I've corrected or added the word and to assure that fire, uh, make sure that the fire access Fire apparatus has access to both the delivery area and the parking areas, um, but that's there. We've done and uh, filed a, a draft of a swept swept path analysis for both the fire tr- the, the department's largest fire truck uh, and for a 30 foot box truck, which we believe will be the largest uh, form of vehicle which we're making deliveries to and from the site. We've reviewed those both with the fire chief, uh, fire chief um, I speak for himself, but I think he'd submitted an email that said that he was comfortable with the scope of each. Um, and so obviously the, 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 the scope has to be reviewed and approved by this board uh, as part of the, so that the, we have, we're filing the proper material at the time that the application is filed.
2: Great.
12: And I can, toggle from this to um, the swept path swept the swept path analysis if that's helpful.
1: That would be helpful, yes
2: please. Okay. Yeah. I will reshare. So there are actually three So this is the basic site plan
12: without the analysis. Uh, I think the, the, the radius of the entry is 25 feet. Or, um, the width of the dr- main driveway entering from Highland Street is 22 feet. And then the drive aisles um, coming down to the loading dock is 20 feet, um, 20 feet back to the rear. Uh, parking uh, lot areas that are proposed. And obviously the fire fire truck has to be able to access each, has to be able to make a swing around this sort of island structure here and down and make it uh, with enough enough width so that there's another vehicle uh, either coming um, in and out of the loading dock area or coming in and out of the parking area that the fire truck would have uh, the ability to get by. we did spend a fair amount of time uh, with the fire chief reviewing that. Um, So we do have to assure that a fire truck can make it in um, from either direction. uh, Can make the turn uh, adequately and can turn down um, the area. Uh, here to the, re- the loading dock, and then the rear can go in and turn in. It would back this way uh, and out, and then this is the egress action truck coming out this way to Highland Street or this way to Highland Street. Um, separately, uh, the analysis for a box truck uh, accessing the loading dock here uh, would come in um, turn in here, back down, and then back out. Um, so that's those are the analysis that we've done. Uh, we want to make sure that the, that the analysis are complete, obviously, uh, in accordance with the requirements of the bylaw.
1: Great. Thank you, Ned.
12: And I can stop sharing or keep sharing if you want to, if, if any of you want specifically to look at one or, one of, or more of these. Yeah, stuff.
1: what I was going to say, why don't you keep it up um, sure. just for a couple of minutes? Um, And we can start with the the board uh, comments and questions and um, regarding the scope of work and what else uh, that we would like to ask for um, in terms of this.
2: Is there anyone who would like to start first?
4: I'll go ahead, Meredith. That's okay. Yes, please. Um, On the um, the 30-foot truck, um, is that the size that is typically found at their other, at this um, operator's other facilities. So there would be trash, there would be delivery. um, And sometimes, you know, having been up at the fruit centers parking lot in the morning when deliveries are happening, you know, there's different size vehicles there. So um, just wanted to make sure that the 30 foot is, um, is the largest that would be anticipated here?
12: That's what we anticipate. Um, obviously, as I, I say in the scope that we have to establish what is the largest uh, vehicle and then account for that. But our understanding is that 30 feet is the largest vehicle that would have any need to access the site uh, for deliveries. Um, you know, the, the fruit center receives deliveries every day. It's an ongoing, um, you know, market operation. Uh, this is uh, a much different uh, operation. And so there are periodic deliveries of food uh, and housekeeping materials and the like, but um, the volume of material is not so significant that it needs anything more than the, than that 30-foot uh, delivery truck.
4: So they have a commercial kitchen, right? And do they, um, they serve meals at the memory care, right? So right. do they handle their um, linens? Related to that on site, or do they send those off as a service? Do
2: you
12: know, um, I think there's probably a combination. They they they'll do some on site and some they'll they'll uh, they'll they'll hand
2: off.
4: And do you know if did was an analysis done to see whether a larger truck would be able to maneuver, or is this showing the maximum that would be able to maneuver?
12: At this point, we're showing the um, the the largest truck
2: Would that be the they fire anticipate truck, the
12: will be coming. The latter truck is a lo- longer truck. It is it it so its ability to access and egress um, is actually more significant than the box truck. Um, uh, but there, but for example, there won't be any semi tractor trailers um, coming with deliveries. Um,
4: yeah. So all right. Um, I think it would be helpful when you submit, if you could show us what that 30 foot truck might look like, you know, yes. so we get a sense of what what's coming in those trucks and going in those trucks. And then um, Tim, I don't, um, Ned mentioned the letter from, or an email from the fire chief, which I don't, I didn't see in our folder. So I assume that's forthcoming. Um, and um, the fire chief is the expert on maneuverability on the fire truck. And so I don't have uh, I don't have questions about the fire truck.
3: Yeah, I, I've got that email. I can send it along. Um, the, the The real action is going to be during the special permit process, um, and and we'll make sure we get his detailed uh, comments on this and and all the other issues on the record. Um, but I, I can send along his message um, just for for your own. Perfect. Yeah, I was wanting to hopefully see
1: that. Letter, and if there were any concerns that the chief had or possibility for improvements that he noted would be great. Um, Maggie, you had your hand up next.
5: Yes, so my question was um, similar or the same as Cheryl. Um, But I was, I think, assuming that a 30 foot box truck will be the largest delivery truck is incorrect. So um, a, in my experience, a 30-foot box truck is actually closer to 42 feet in length. You get 30 feet for the box, and then you get 12 feet for the cab. Um, but in my experience, I know that um, the facility cannot predict what size truck the vendor will be sending. I know people can say, oh, you can request a certain size truck, but that is not the reality, especially in today's trucking industry. Um, I think there's, well, not that I think, I know there's a shortage of truck drivers and the concept is you have, um, you can put a lot more in a tractor trailer truck and with one driver, and sending them all out to do multiple deliveries the whole entire day. Um, So I think we should be accommodating for a tractor trailer truck as we're looking into the future. And I think truck drivers are aging and there are fewer younger truck drivers coming in um, into that profession. So I think like currently there's a shortage of truck drivers. Um, I also, I think that um, the driveway should be wide enough to accommodate um, two trucks, um, because especially if we're going to be looking at restricting the incoming delivery times from like 10 to 2, I think um, there's going to be a need or there'll be an overlapping of trucks coming in at the same time. And again, from personal experience, you can try to um, predict um, and plan for when your deliveries arrive, but there's always going to be uh, situations where there'll be two trucks. So I'd hate to see one of the trucks out in the main drag idling, waiting for the other truck to unload. And if you look across at like Milton Hospital, I think they get deliveries from Cisco for their food services and Cisco sends in a large tractor trailer truck. Um, And I think maybe maybe even Winter Valley might get Cisco, but I I don't know for that. So I think we should be planning for the future and um, making sure that we accommodate like worst possible case salute um, problems. And then my other thinking is um, a lot of times with trucks unbeknownst to the drivers, There's a lot of um, like hydraulic leaks or oil leaks. So my concern is the driveway um, is too wide. If if we're going to accommodate for two trucks, then we're getting closer to the wetlands. And so I'm afraid of, um, you know, fluids leaking into the wetlands. So um, I, I think the driveway needs to be pushed back further away from the wetlands. And I just think that perhaps we should get a peer review of the plan.
1: Thanks. Great, thank you, Maggie. Uh, Rich, you were next.
6: Um, Yeah, I just had a question. I don't know Ned or Tim. I know Ned, you just mentioned specifically a 30-foot box truck as being probably the max that would come on the site. But uh, Tim, I just got your email you forwarded to us about the fire department. I'd imagine they're not thinking 42 feet I mean they're probably accommodating for a fire truck correct how far how big is that
12: big ladder truck all so right much longer than so you, than okay. the box
6: that's where I think I, I right. so I'm on the same page Ed so if, is what I was hearing then from you when you were talking about a 30-foot box truck is more or less just saying that's what we're probably going to see but the fire department is saying that you've accommodated for their their ladder truck
12: That's right and
6: okay. um yeah. <clears throat> all right yeah that's all i had thank you great
1: and sean you have your hand up
6: yeah that's my
7: okay. comment was the my comment was the same as Rich's. Or i believe but my comment is going to be the same as Rich's. if we can accommodate or if the if the plans are accommodating the largest truck fire truck we have which is the ladder truck um i i just i think that's probably as large a truck as even a uh, Maggie described the tractor trailer, I don't think a tractor trailer is larger than our ladder truck. So, if we're accommodating for the ladder truck, we, it seems to me that we should also, you know, if what we have accommodates a ladder truck, it would seem to me that it would also accommodate whatever size delivery truck, whether it's 30 feet or greater.
6: That's where I was going, Sean. I mean, Tim, is that would that be from your group department? Is that what you guys think?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't want to say with absolute certainty because I know those trucks kind of move and operate in 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 different ways. Um, but you know, the ladder truck is a pretty big truck. Um, but but to address Maggie's comment from earlier, um, the engineering department is in the process of lining up, um, both traffic and um, engineering peer review, uh, for when we eventually get these um. Uh, These application documents. So as soon as we get them, they're going to get shipped off to a peer reviewer um, that'll assist the planning board in their analysis.
1: That's great. Yeah, because those were some of my similar um, questions that I had um, as well. And especially with the sight line, if anyone knows that stretch of Highland Street, the traffic, you know, gets past the police station and it really starts moving at a high rate of speed. And that, you know, that there's ample visibility for um vehicles that are that are entering and exiting um, with oncoming traffic there so um, that would be great to have that traffic um analysis done as well as well as the um the fire department i had just a couple of questions just on this um just regarding snow removal and i know you're going to be talking about that with a special permit process but because of the because of the wetlands, um, and I know this is a really tricky site and it's pretty narrow and using, I like the fact that you're using the current existing drive, but when you're coming in and pushing snow off, that's gonna limit your, uh, your it, that's gonna narrow your drive unless you push it over into the wetlands. I guess I would love to see a, what your, the management, um, a plan for, for how the snow, um, I don't know if it's gonna be taken off site. It doesn't seem like there's, really much space to store snow on on site. So um, I think that's really important just to make sure that we keep those drives driveways open um, and accessible. Um, And also, and this may be further, but in looking at what the uh, the guardrail and the site fencing um, looks to be very similar. And it's hard to differentiate on the plan. The difference in the guard with the guard with guardrails. and next to um some of the retaining walls, which is guardrails and which is site fencing. Um right. that might be nice to be able to identify exactly what that is. And then of course, you know, your height of your retaining walls. Again, I'm thinking of the, you know, the wetlands, uh, the proximity to the wetlands. What is what is that retaining wall? Um
12: Right. That'll height. be that will definitely be an important part of the of the, yeah. of the- of various portions of the plan, including the plans that get filed with the Conservation Commission because they'll okay. have particular concern about how we manage and protect the
1: wetlands right, exactly with whether you're salting, sanding, what you're doing to the drives and right forth yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that is all i all the questions that I had. Um,
4: Meredith, can I ask yep. um, yes, and sure. Saying, um, I just look at the fire chief's um, email, and one of the things that I was looking at and that I had hoped maybe the fire chief would address is um, it's a little hard to tell in these diagrams, but I think in order for the vehicle not to cross the center line on Highland, it's assuming that the vehicle is gonna cross the center line on the access drive. And I just wanted that to be something which to be identified if that is the case, And then if a vehicle were coming in the other direction, so it wouldn't allow for the fire truck or for uh, a box truck or larger truck, um, would it mean that an exiting vehicle would cross the line? Is there any risk of um, having a, a number of vehicles, let's say crossing over the center line or even towards the sidewalks? It's a little hard to see the sidewalk here with these. So if we could have like enlargements and some discussion of that, maybe it's the color differential that could be done on these that it would help us understand that entrance and exit uh, a little more uh, detailed. It was something that was raised before by neighbors and I think we wanna make sure that we all understand it well.
1: Understood. Thank you, Maggie, you had your hand up again.
5: Yeah, and I don't wanna, profess to know the length of a fire truck, but just a quick Google search, it was 56 to 63 feet long. And I know when I get um, um, deliveries, a trailer, just the trailer is is 53 feet long. And then usually the cab um, is usually another 15. It depends if it's a sleeper cab or not. So usually, we account for you want to make sure that you have access for at least seventy feet for a single truck. and um so I just would want to make sure that um, you can we can accommodate the largest truck possible, and I don't necessarily think that's a fire truck. but it could be, but I don't know for sure.
2: Thank you.
1: Okay. um, If nothing else, um, we can see if there's anyone um, from the public who would like to ask a question or comment um, at this time. I do see a few hands. Um, We have Doug Henry. We can introduce Doug Henry to speak.
13: Thank you very much. Can you hear me?
1: Yes, welcome, Doug. Uh,
13: Thank you. Um, As many of you know, except the new members of the board. Uh, my name is Doug Henry. I'm a partner at the law firm of Sheridan Lodge in Boston. And I represent Karen Bacardi, who is the immediate abutter to this proposed site. Um, I just had a couple of quick comments to Ned's presentation. One is, as far as the access goes, um, in addition to width, um, I think we wanna make sure that the existing right of way can support fire trucks and box trucks or bigger trucks. That was originally designed for a residential house. And I think as part of the scope, I'd ask the board to consider uh, as part of the input from the developer that the existing right of way is wide enough and can support the trucks that come in. And my second point, which has already been addressed by the board is that um, this should all be part of the peer review process when the application finally comes in. And other than that, I'm good. Thank you very much.
12: So you just clarified, Doug, um, through the chair, the existing right of way, are you saying the the width of the driveway in from Highland Street?
13: I think, Ned, both make sure the driveway is wide enough and that I know there's a culvert under that that Mm -hmm. supports the, it's like a bridge and make sure that is, um, structurally adequate to support the weight of right. fire trucks and box trucks or larger trucks, if that's what you ultimately decide the board does to make an entrance into the property
12: and construction vehicles during the construction process as well, right. Thank
13: you.
1: Thank you. Um, next, we have a uh,
2: Teresa O'Brien.
11: Hello. Hello. Welcome, Hello.
1: Teresa. And if you could state your address for the record.
11: Um, I live at 42 Spafford. So it's the corner of Spafford and Highland. Um, so I just want to point out, as Ned mentioned, even construction trucks. They were delivering a digger, I think, one day. And they pretty much shut down traffic because it took a while to get into the driveway. So as everyone discusses how long these trucks are, all I could hear was beeping for five minutes. So I just want everyone to be aware of the neighbors and please consider us because this is, you know, not what we expected. Thank you. And Thank we, you. we see the delivery trucks for the hospital as well. And they are they are large trucks. So I think to say a 30-foot truck is it's not going to be big enough. That's it.
1: Thank you very much. So maybe delivery schedules, Ned, that we'll have a, you know. Yeah, that'll
12: be part of the construction management plan. Yep. And and then a delivery schedule plan, you know, right. it talks about when and what uh, and how deliveries will be made. Right.
2: Terrific.
1: Thank That's, you so much. That'll be
12: part of the traffic traffic study. Great.
1: Thank you. Um, thank you, Teresa. Uh, next, uh, Kelly, Len's car, we have.
11: Hey, I stuck around after my issue and I just happened to hear Thank people. You. Welcome
1: back. Yeah. Thank you. Um, people discussing the length and
11: width of trucks, and I have the unmitigated joy of having one child that drives a truck and another one that's looking at being a fireman. So I can tell you that a ladder truck is under 45 feet long. It is nine feet wide, and it is very, very heavy. And semi-trucks can be twice that. They're 80 feet long, eight and a half feet wide. If that helps at all. Thank you.
1: Yep, that's great. Okay, uh, next I see uh, Jean Irwin. If we can welcome Jean and then Bard will be next.
2: Hi everyone,
14: can you hear me?
1: Yes, welcome Jean. If you can introduce yes. yourself and your address, please.
14: I'm Jean Irwin, Town Meeting Member, Precinct 9 120 Highland Street, Milton. <clears throat> I'm, Regarding earlier comments as to the width of the uh, access, uh, fire department access around the building, since it doesn't go all the way around the building, the I've been reading up on it, and it says the aerial ladder trucks um, would typically extend their ladder over the roof to get sort of access and back. And this is from the 2018 International Fire Code. And it says the aerial fire apparatus access roads shall have a minimum unobstructed width of twenty six feet So there you have it it's twenty six feet is the <clears throat> is the width of the access road since there's a ladder involved and if if you think about it because the trucks are typically eight and a half feet wide and when they extend the ladder they have to extend the outriggers, which in essence make the truck about 15 feet wide and nothing can pass it. So therefore you need the 26 feet.
1: Very good. Thank,
14: thank-, thank you.
1: Thank you, Jean. Um, Rich, I see your hand up again. Did you have a
14: question? Yeah, yeah yes.
6: no, actually just a suggestion um, because I know this is, seems like a, a topic that we could talk about for a while. And in the interest of time, my my feeling is where we're at right now, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, is that there's gonna be some studies done. I know that, you know, we, whenever we build a property like this, right, like I'm sure there's some some work done with the engineer and the fire department to make sure that whatever's gonna come on this property is gonna be safe and the, and the, the width is adequate and so forth. So I don't think we're done yet, right, With with, with this. I mean, is there more work being done?
3: Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to giggle about dead. that, yeah. but 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 this is I mean this is literally I mean you know when we talk about the scope of the study it's it's really a question of you know are they studying everything that you're interested in them studying do they need to you know do a swept path for a VW bug you know and, and add that to the analysis that's the conversation once we have the full application that's when you get the full workup of you know we'll have Chief Madden and Lieutenant italiano Take a look at it from, from the perspective of the International Fire, Fire Code and the NFPA. We'll have a peer review looking at the traffic and the engineering. The board will have the full complement of materials to look at. So, um, you know, we really are kind of looking at the narrow issue of are, are they studying everything that we want them to study um, in this analysis? Um, and, and then we'll eventually get the full analysis. Um, okay. That makes
6: sense. Thank you, Tim yeah. I just and I don't want no. to cut anybody off from that. That's all right.
1: We just have honest. two more people that are going to speak, and then I think we're we're good yeah. this time. Well,
6: no, I, just for what it's worth, I wasn't cutting anybody off, but I figured if more folks wanted to talk about, you know, this, this the, the, the pathway, I just, you know, we're not we're not there yet.
1: Thank you. That's a great great point. Um, so next we have Bard with his hand up. We can welcome.
15: Great. Thanks, everyone, and I'll, I'll keep this quick. Um, but actually, Ned, would you mind just bringing up that um, that image again? I just wanted to make one comment. Either either one, the the fire truck one, or the um or the box truck one. So I live at 11 Spackford Road, which uh, is on on Ned's uh, Matt, on Ned's screen here. Um, that that cross street that's um right there. Yes, yeah, thank you very much, Ned. And so our street is 20 feet wide. So I would just submit that, you know, we do have a, a live test case here uh, because we have, you know, semi, we do occasionally, I mean, most of the time not, but occasionally we do get semi tractor trailers of like 70 feet or so coming up Spafford. And when they take that turn on from Spafford onto Highland, they do end up pretty much taking up all of Highland and Spafford to make the turn, you know, both sides, you know, with the way the the, the cab swings and the trailer comes back around. Um, so I think it's, you know, the width is one thing, but it's also, I think Ned made the comment about that radius. So I think the radius is is also important because in Spafford, we don't have a very big radius and we have, you know, 20 feet width. So because that it's tight there, the truck can't really, the truck has to come out across the street to turn. Um, so, you know, I think besides the width that, that radius and and that entrance there, you know, if there's room to widen that entry, I think that could, Help, you know, um, the situation, but that—that's that's my main comment. Um, the the other comment which you know came to mind is that Highland is a is a um, you know a scenic road with with no trucks. Um, it's one of the you know parkways, I guess. Or, and and when we talked to the the DPW about that, they had mentioned that that was was a state designation. So I guess. Um, you know, as, as many of you know, you know, we are concerned about traffic on our street and on, on, in the neighborhood. So, you know, um, you know, what is it, what does that, what does that mean? And what would this project mean for, you know, a, a street that has been designated, you know, no trucks at the, at the state, at the state level? Does that only apply to, you know, traffic? Um, you know, what, what kind of traffic does that, does that apply to? Does anyone know?
3: So the, um, the, the, the no truck or the truck free designation, um, is, is really, um, related to through traffic. Okay. So, um, you know, you can, you can, if, if you live or, or work, you know, I mean, the, the hospital gets truck deliveries, um, you know, because you, you wouldn't be able to operate a hospital on Highland street. If you, if you couldn't get truck deliveries, that designation is more along the lines of if you're going from Quincy to Canton. Um, you know, you 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 can't go down Highland Street, you've got to stay at a sort of, not necessarily designated route, but, you know, those no truck routes kind of put you towards some of the more, um, more appropriate um, through routes through town, so. Okay, well, th- thank you very much for your time. Excellent
16: question, Bart.
1: Yeah, that's great. Great comments. Thank you. Okay, and then um, I did see uh, Denny Swenson had her hand up. Um, if we can go back and uh, yes, we can invite Denny in to speak.
17: Hi, hi, hello, Chair Hall. Can you hear me?
1: Yes. Welcome, Denny.
17: Oh, good. Good evening. Good evening, Planning Board members. Thank you for all of your service. Mm-hmm. I'm Denny Swenson, Town Meeting Member, Precinct Three. Um, when I served on the Planning Board while we were reviewing the zoning for this memory clinic. I drove to seven different Northbridge memory clinics around the state and I took notes on all of these other memory clinics in towns all over the place. Um, And I noticed that with these other Northbridge memory clinics and the reason I'm I'm mentioning Northbridge is because it's the same developer as this site. Um, Most of them had a loop for fire trucks all the way around all the building structures. so instead of like the design that I'm looking at right now, it went all the way around um, the remaining ones had fire firetruck access around like three quarters or more of the building area. Um, and, and so that remaining roughly quarter area may not have had pavement, but it had a clear path with open room to run with a hose. Um, and I ended up talking to at two of the facilities, and they explained to me um, at two of these memory clinics that this fire truck access was because of this unique and vulnerable population. Um, so I only bring that up because I just quickly, I didn't plan to speak tonight, but I was thumbing through my notes having having done all that homework. And I would just want Milton to have the, you know, state of the art memory clinic plans like the other Northbridge clinics do or in the very least something that falls within industry standard for safety. Thank you for taking my comments. Thank you for your consideration.
1: Thank you. So Ned, maybe that can be something that's addressed um, or possibly look to expand. Um, I know it's very, this is a real limited site with the wetlands. Thank you.
2: Okay. Any other hands? I don't see any others.
1: Um, is anyone else seeing any other um, anyone who would like to speak? All right. I think that's great. Paradis- Sorry. Sorry. I, Paradis- I, was, I, was,
12: I was muted there for a minute. Um, part of the, yeah. the, the, the building design will also integrate fire access and protection. Um, and that's something separately that we will be obviously working with the fire chief on. Um, Similar to uh, the, the building, the new building that was just permitted at for Winter Valley, which doesn't also does not have fire access all the way around. There are internal firefighting uh, components uh, that we needed to address uh, in terms
2: of, this, of that design and we'll be doing that here. Great. Thank you. Okay.
1: All right. Um, I do see, let's see, um, a Minette Donovan, if
18: you would like to speak. Hi, thank you. Am I yes. unmuted? Yes, you are. Welcome. Okay. Very briefly, thank you so much. My name is Minette Donovan, and I live at 16 Spafford Road, so um, pretty close to the site. I think you, you uh, I live near Bard. And I just wanted to mention, um, as you get into the truck discussion, um, not to belabor the point, but I I did want to mention that if the trucks exit and enter for delivery, the hospital trucks can enter on Reedsdale. Um, Presumably, for this site, they may come up um, Highland Street from Canton Ave. And I wanted to see if it's possible, whether formally or informally, they could be required to exit that way, or at least at minimum not to use the latter streets to exit because informally it's been requested that ambulances not use the street and trucks not use the street and there hasn't been much success there so I feel like if we could address that from the outset, it might be of great um, of great help to the neighbors. There are a lot of young kids on the streets here, the latter streets.
12: Meredith, we plan to make that a significant component of the traffic plan, of the traffic um, study and the traffic plan. That's great. That traffic vehicle, any delivery traffic coming to and from would would be restricted to coming to and from via Canton Avenue. Great.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I did see um Teresa, did you have another comment? Um, I see your hand up still. And Doug Henry's also Um I don't see it now. It's off. and Doug's hand is down. So just making sure that was that was it. All right, Ned, thank you so much. Um, appreciate your coming. I hope that's helpful to
12: um, very helpful. Uh, thank right. you. Um... Very much and we look forward to be back in front of you.
1: That's great. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Great. Have a good evening. Okay, so we can now move on uh, to our new business of discussion of zoning articles. Um, Ned, do you want to we have uh the zoning recodification if you want to just speak briefly on, on this? Was that for me? Yes.
3: Oh, I thought you, I thought you said it's, Ned, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry, did I
1: say Tim? I'm.
3: Eh, whatever. No, um, yeah,
1: Tim, Tim <laughs> yes, you can
9: take it
3: away. Um, oh, Rich had his hand up, but it's down now. I just um, Can
6: I just ask a quick question? Just in the interest of time, we're at 9 o'clock, I know there's a lot of, there's still like 40 people on, and I know they're here for different things. Can you give kind of just a, you know, maybe a, how long will this section take so folks know to come back or stay on?
1: Sure,
3: I think... Tim's, I think this is pretty quick, this item. Yeah, I I mean I I think this is just by way of introduction. Um, you know, we, we we just got these materials um last week. Um, you just got them last week. So I think we just want to put it on the board's radar and kind of talk about how uh the town clerk um and 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 town council have kind of advised us to go forward in terms of the process of reviewing these materials. So um, you should have in your folders, um, let me just open this up real quick. Um, three documents. um one one of them is the recodified um, zoning bylaw, um which is the work that General Code did for us in terms of taking our existing bylaw, which is updated as of two thousand and nine. Um, adding in all of the zoning amendments that have occurred um, from 2009 to 2022, and, um, you know, putting them into a consistent, um, you know, format that, um, you know, works with some of the other work that they're doing with our general bylaws, um, you know, both to update the, not just both, update the bylaw, make it internally consistent in terms of references and sections and pagination, and then um, make it usable in a um a dynamic web-based format. So the three documents that you've got in in your folder um are are what we hope are are the tools that will will help the planning board, the warrant committee Temi members, everybody sort of start to parse through um their review of these materials. So you've got the recodified zoning bylaw, you've got a document labeled explanatory notes, which basically um, gives a really sort of brief, what I'll call a taxonomy of the types of changes that have been made um, in terms of, you know, all of the sections are now labeled, Um, all of the internal references are formatted in this way. Um, All of the sections now have titles. So, um, you know, you can sort of see these are the types of broad changes that have been made and you can look through the bylaw and, and kind of, you know, double check on those, and then the other one is is what they call the derivation table, and what that does is it takes all of the sections of the existing bylaw, you know, starting with section one definitions, um, and tells you the location in the new recodified bylaw. So just looking at it, just by way of example, section one definitions in the existing bylaw is now chapter two seventy five, article one in in the new bylaw. So this is a way that um, if you are so inclined and and you know will be going through this exercise as a staff to sort of open up section 1 look at article 1 and kind of compare them side by side to confirm um, you know that they are in fact um, you know the, the the same you know the, the, the same language. The um, the the assurance that we've gotten from general code is that um, there are no changes to language. There are no changes to content. There are no changes to style. Um, to the point even that grammatical errors and spelling errors and punctuation errors um, actually actually remain. Um, you know, that's how that's how serious they are about um, not making any any of those you know changes to the language. Um, so we are in the process. i've I've built it. I'm just waiting for um, town clerk, town administrator, and town council to sign off. Um, we've built a website that will be um, pegged to the planning board page that has sort of a breakdown of a little bit of the history of this project and um, a, a sort of uh, a description of these types of documents and how people can read them and, and start to begin to understand them. So we're going ha- to hopefully have that website go live in the next day or so. Um, that'll be disseminated through all the usual channels. Um, we'll make sure, you know, through the town's clerk, the town clerk's office, that um, those materials get to town meeting members, hopefully as soon as this week, um, and then get the process moving with the Warrant Committee. Um, you know, at that point, it becomes, um, you know, this is a zoning article, so the planning board will need to hold a public hearing. Um, you, you're going to review it in the way that you see fit. Um, and, and we're happy to assist you and, and facilitate in that process in any way. Um, you know, the, the ultimate kind of theory behind the way that we're proceeding with this is um, we, we need to get the bylaw updated um, and we need to get it into a form that is is more usable and, and more um, searchable and and, and dynamic to um, to further the goals of I I I, I forget which which town meeting it was it might have been in 2017, um, but it was the article that basically authorized the town clerk to do this work, um, you know. And so in order to um, not just do that but be in a position to continue to keep the bylaws updated and clean and tidy, um, you know, we need to get this work done. Step two, if the town is so inclined, um, and and the planning board has something to say about that, and town meeting obviously has something to say about that, is to kind of pop open the hood and and look at the actual content of the zoning bylaw. Um, you know, and, and there are a lot of ways to think about the content. You know, do we want to you know consolidate all the setback information, or you know put this here and put that there? It's o- it's open season if 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 the town wants to change its zoning in that way. Um, but having this as as a tool for town meeting members, the planning board, property owners, developers, anyone that needs to actually use our zoning um, is is really important. So those are the materials. Um, we'll have to work on the town uh, the town meeting schedule and getting a public hearing on the books. um and, and then, obviously, I'm sure there'll want to be, you know, some level of discussion before um, a public hearing. But um we're reviewing this as a staff um we, we have we have the utmost trust in, in in general code they're professionals they do this all the time um but obviously you know we want everyone to have their eyes on this to make sure that it's the the type of product that um that we want
1: so so uh, yes Maggie you had a question
5: yeah so basically that was my biggest question was are we 100 percent relying on general code and assuming that they're um, doing it 100% correctly? And do you and Josh really have time um, to read it? And are you really going line by line um, to make sure that there aren't any mistakes? Um, because I know that document that you sent is like 200 pages and I haven't had a chance to read it yet. And I don't know if I would be able to read all of it and make. Corrections. Um, so I just want to make sure that you guys are prepared and have enough staff to do it.
3: Um, so the the answer to the first question is is, is again, um you know we, we we chose general code because they're a reputable firm um and we think they do a good product. but you know obviously this is um you know this is going to be the zoning. And so you know we're ultimately um, as as a staff and as a planning board and as a town, you know, responsible for making sure that um, it it is what we needed to be, and so um, we're going to kind of roll up our sleeves with the town clerk's office and figure out the best way to kind of divide the labor of um, of, of reviewing this and making sure that all those all those changes um, that general code said were made were made, um, and that additional changes were not made. Um, so I am confident that um, at a staff level we'll be able to to make a recommendation. Um, and to um, be able to put the planning board in a decision, in a position to make to make a decision. I can't tell you exactly how we're going to do it just yet. Um, we'll have to figure it out. But between uh, between myself, Josh, um, and the clerk's office, um, I, I think we've got enough hands to to kind of get the job done. Yeah. And to say to say nothing again of um, you know I'm my, I'm hope I'm not depending on town meeting members in the Warren committee, but I'm sure they're they're all going to want to kind of get their magnifying glasses out and take a look at this as well. So.
5: so I also was wondering: Are we? Is it possible that maybe we send it over to the Bylaw Review Committee? Would they have time to help you, um, or have you asked if they're even willing to do
10: it?
3: So the 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 town uh, the town clerk has been um, in contact with the chair of the Bylaw Review Committee um, about this, and so they'll be um, you know they'll they'll be coordinating on on any kind of assistance um, or or role that the Bylaw Review Committee. Um, is going to have in the review of 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 this. I think um, you know the bylaw review. Can, I, I I don't want to speak for them. Um, they do have they they do have a lot on their plate. Um, and so you know to the extent that 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 they want to be a part of this, um, they can they'll, they'll they'll be coordinating with the town clerk on that.
4: I would suggest, if I may, hear, yeah, that um, you know our building commissioner, who's probably the most familiar with the zoning code, and also the ZBA, um, who works with this code all the time, you know, also take it. Take
3: a look at it, um, Cheryl. We'll we'll ask. Um, m- my experience is that the ZBA tends to be pretty hands off on these things. Um, they will take the product that we give them, and they will render decisions based on it. Um, th- they've they've tended not to want to get in the mud with us in terms of changing the zoning. Um, but but we will we'll, we'll definitely give them the opportunity if if they're if they want to avail themselves of it to. Um, to contribute. So for sure.
1: And I think, Tim, it's important to um, acknowledge that by doing this, this will allow Sue Galvin to certify our bylaws, our zoning bylaws, correct, which she currently cannot do unless we go through this process. So that's very important. So, great. So stay tuned, and we'll wait to hear, Tim, just sort of your game plan on this. And Um, we'll get a public hearing scheduled for this to get to town meeting okay terrific Um, and thank you everyone for your patience who is on waiting we're trying to move the agenda as quickly as possible Um, the next um zoning issue um that we have um before us is lighting Um, and i think we can bring in uh arthur
2: doyle and aaron bradley Welcome them. Hi,
19: Madam Chair, can you hear me? Yes, welcome, Erin. Thanks so much. I'm going to let my chair speak first, obviously, so I'll wait till he is here.
1: Okay, great.
0: I'm now unmuted. Uh, Thank you, Madam Chair, for having us. And it's a pleasure to be with you, members of the Planning Board. I'll provide um, a little bit of background. Again, I'm Arthur Doyle, Chair of the Select Board, Town Meeting Member, PC7, and Conservation Commission Member, 85 Belcher Circle. And we came before you this evening with a possible solution to a matter of some community interest and concern lighting interference. Several years ago, uh, before her untimely death, a Milton Conservation Commission member. Judith Darrell Kemp, brought to the commission's attention outdoor lighting's adverse impact on the environment. This topic became more frequently referenced with the acceleration of advanced indoor and outdoor lighting technologies and reached the attention of the select board as well, particularly when the issue became pronounced in 2021 with a proposal to install electronic billboards at Two Granite Avenue in Milton. Both the Conservation Commission and the Select Board sought information on ways to mitigate instances of light interference. There were a number of outcomes to this particular lighting proposal. Among them were the following. Milton neighborhood impact opposition, notably from the Cortland Circle area of Precinct 7 which is in the immediate vicinity of the location for which the lighting was proposed. Opposition by other residents from throughout the town as they became aware of the proposal. Neighborhood impact opposition from an adjacent community, the Cedar Grove Neighborhood Association in Dorchester. Opposition from organizations such as the Neponset River Watershed Association, which submitted a letter signed by 19 local organizations opposed to the lighting proposal. Information on lighting impact and lighting pollution through consultation with Professor James Lowenthal of the Smith College Science Center and president of the Massachusetts chapter of the International Dark Sky Association, which is the recognized authority in combating light pollution worldwide. And importantly, The finding that, while Milton has a signed bylaw, it does not have a lighting bylaw. For your consideration is a proposal to amend Chapter 6 of the General Bylaws to provide the Town of Milton with lighting protections. It was researched and authored by Select Board Member Erin Bradley and reviewed by Town Council. If the proposed lighting amendment is favorably reviewed and viewed by the Planning Board, it may opt to sponsor a bylaw amendment for the annual town meeting in May 2023. At this time, Madam Chair, with your permission, I ask to turn to like Board Member Bradley to address the proposed amendment.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you, Arthur, for that introduction. Erin? Thank you so
19: much, Madam Chair. Thank you, um, uh, Chair Doyle, for the introduction. and. Thank you again, Madam Chair and members of the planning board for having this issue on your agenda tonight. Um, I'm gonna to speak briefly about how we got, how I got here um, and kind of what this does and does not do. The uh, regulations and laws are drafted and passed daily to protect society as a whole, neighbors in the town, or the environment for our natural habitat. The bylaw before you is no different. So I'll start with how I did the drafting. I did not recreate the wheel. so everybody is clear. The way that you make most policy in this world is you steal from other people that have already implemented things and understand how to do it. So um, I use language from two other cities and towns within this Commonwealth and also borrowed language from Pennsylvania, our sister Commonwealth, um, because they have both state and local laws on light pollution. Um, In fact, they're pretty progressive around their light Um, And it's what's fascinating for me to read their process that they went through in order to pass that state regulation. So the terms and definitions um, are standard industry trade language. They are the terms and definitions that define what a nuisance is. So nuisance is defined by the parameters of the lighting the therms, all of that stuff which is in there. These meetings are well known to those who will be required to enforce them, our building inspectors, not the police department. Um, I know there was some confusion about who would be um, making sure that they're followed. It would be our building inspectors, so Mr. Pondack's department. Um, Let me demystify and explain what it will not do and can't do because of the language in it. It does not impede anyone from lighting the flag at night because that is, first of all, a federal law (laughs) and we wouldn't want to go against our federal laws um, or any holiday decorations. doesn't matter what kind you have. You can put up whatever holiday decorations you always have. Nobody is touching those at all. It does not stop you from using your floodlights outside within regular standard guidelines. For example, if you have two 120 watt floodlights are fine and should be on a motion detector during sleeping hours as it is if you are lighting up your yard like a runway or causing too much glare for our neighbors both human and furry those will be fine that means pointing them outward from your home again most neighbors are already in compliance with this proposal without even knowing it it does not touch uh, i heard the earlier uh public comment speaker talk about a ice skating rink in her backyard. I have many friends that also have those, although it's been not cold enough to keep them frozen. Um, They also have floodlights that they use, um, but they are turned off at a certain hour. They are not shown shining in other people's uh, windows. So those would be fine. It does not cut this at all. Um, The process to date and where we are with this draft language, um, as Chair Doyle mentioned, It has gone through the departments that are impacted. So Tim received a copy of it, Joe Condek, and our town council also did. Um, He signed off on it and um, has compared it to the other towns and cities, the 55 of them to date, which have these types of bylaws on their books. Um, Basically, the way it works is that if we pass it in the town, the attorney general's office needs to approve it. And right now on face value, it seems that we are on solid and clear footing for that to happen seeing as other cities and towns in our state have done that. Let me finish by saying this is not out to hurt or limit what people do on their property. Trust me, I do not wanna do that. It is so that everyone, including those who can't speak for themselves, have the same standard protection from this pollution that can, often, can and often does interfere with daily living. When I was listening earlier, I realized I'm a proud mom of a former Glover duck. And I realized tonight that um, Glover hasn't had any duckling hatchings in the last two years. And I'm wondering if that's because of the lights that are currently shining on their natural habitat that are stopping them from um, from this, this activity that has been going on well before my son ever attended Glover. So um, as part of the outdoor classrooms, it's a wonderful experience that these kids got to got to do for many, many decades. And it's a shame that they have not been around for the last two. Again, I thank you for this opportunity and I hope that you all are able to pass this out favorably. If you have any questions, I'm here to answer that. So thank you again, Madam Chair and members of the board.
1: Thank you very much. Um, yeah, questions from the board. Um, Cheryl, I see your hand up. You wanna go first? Um yes, I have a couple of initial questions. Um,
4: it has to do with um, this being um, chapter six of the general bylaws. Mm-hmm. But are we that this would it change if this were a zoning bylaw, correct?
19: Yes, Cheryl, I'm sorry about that. So I'd sent, um I sent over a change draft to uh, the chairwoman. Just this week, I believe. So originally, we were intending to do this as a regular bylaw for to the town's laws to make sure that it um, encompassed everything and, and every, every opportunity for making this stick for everyone across the board. Upon Kevin, our town council review, he realized that all the other cities and towns in the Commonwealth did do it as part of their zoning bylaws. So what he then went and figured out was whether or not the attorney general's office has made a ruling on, on lighting um, that is not attached to the structure and um, and if that would be grandfathered in, because as we know, any type of change to our zoning laws, there is a grandfather clause. The attorney general's office ruled that um, that the lights that are not are not part of a structure, outside lights are not part of your structure. So they would not be grandfathered in under this. And that was a ruling from the attorney general's office in 20, 20, 2020. Um, so the town council looked for any other rulings and he didn't come up with any. So he found that putting it under the zoning bylaw would be something that the attorney general's office not only would approve, but would allow us the opportunity to make sure that we were, uh, we were able to enforce it as needed.
4: Great. That's that's uh, helpful. I was. That was one of my other questions, is about the grandfathering. Um, and then my um, my next question, um, Aaron, it has to do with the question that a, a speaker mentioned earlier about a definition mm-hmm. of nuisance. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you came across that in your research, or maybe Chair Doyle um, came across that in prior research. Um, so if you have any comments about that, thank you.
19: Absolutely, Mr. Chair, if it's okay. Um, sure, please and we'll follow-up. Okay, okay, great, thank you so much. So to define the word nuisance is really subjective. Um, it's not an objective term. It's something that can be defined by anybody's interpretation. The way that this skirts that is that um, it, it is defined by the terms that you use. It is defined by the glow that is given. It is defined in standard industry terms that will make sure that there is no nuisance. that, that make sense. So like I could say that my neighbor's light in the backyard is a nuisance to me. Well, who am I to say that? You'd have to measure out what those look like. So so this won't be a thing of he said she said of my, me calling about my neighbor, there's actual definitions on what it is that creates a light nuisance. Um, that Mr. Prandek is well aware of as being somebody that has done this um, and will be able to discern discern each time that he is called to investigate.
4: So just for my and other listeners' edification, I think there's a device that actually can go out and measure the foot candle level or the lumens being produced at any time by the lighting. Is that correct? So Mr. Prandek could go out and actually do a measurement?
19: Yes, that's correct. Okay. And, there's and, a, and there's a level of acceptable lumens already written into this bylaw. So that's so a standardization. Would,
4: okay, so it would be easy. I mean, those devices are not expensive and they're handheld as far as I understand. Yes, so it would be easy to measure. So therefore relatively easy to verify compliance.
19: That's correct. That's okay. absolutely correct. And it would not cost the town much. In fact, if somebody was in violation of it, it would actually bring in revenue for our town.
4: Okay.
0: Um, and there are resources that are available. There's a firm in uh, Peabody, Massachusetts that works extensively with this and I'll get that reference to Tim, which he can share with you. And as to the nomenclature, there are various ways which it's approached among different communities or organizations. Lighting impact reduction is sometimes employed. Uh, lighting interference is sometimes employed. So that there, there are ways to address it in such a way that it um, doesn't necessarily alienate any particular uh, constituent groups.
4: Okay, so those. thank you. Those are um, my questions. I do wanna make a, a comment. Uh, I've been on the planning board for a number of years now and every special permit um, and site plan approval that I've been involved with has included a pretty good look at exterior lighting and being dark sky compliant. and so, but those special permits and site plan approvals are fairly limited, you know, in terms of how much geographic area of town they cover. And so it's it's been an important um, aspect and consideration for the board. And I think um, this would take that uh, consideration to a greater level across the town and could be very beneficial. So I'd like, for us to consider uh, being
1: the sponsor of this article. Thanks. Thank you, Cheryl. Uh, Sean, you were next, and then Rich.
7: Thank you, Meredith. Um, and uh, thank you uh, both Arthur and Erin for joining us tonight. I, I think this is a very um, valuable initiative. So um, it'll be good for the town once, we, um, once we're able to have it in place. Um, I do have one concern, and um, I I think I'm interpreting this correctly, but I'll ask my question uh, first, and then I'll express my concern after you answer my question, if you would. But in the the section that's referred to as the non-conforming residential lighting and nuisance glare, um, item A reads, any residential lighting fixture or lighting installation that is installed and operative before the date of adoption of this bylaw shall be made to conform with the requirements of this bylaw or removed within 21 days of its effective date to comply. Is that is that um, effectively stating that any lighting that's been installed prior to an effective date of this bylaw that doesn't comply needs to be changed, removed, either removed or changed to comply?
19: That's, yes, um, Member Fahey. So that was the issue that I was speaking about with Member Chagaius, um, about the grandfather clause and the Attorney yeah. General's ruling on that. Um, what this does is allow a buffer of three weeks for residents to get their lighting within compliance. So normally when something passes and the attorney general's office signs off on it, it goes into effect that day. So many neighbors may not know that that has gone into effect. So I wanted to make sure I built something in so they have the opportunity to come and to compliance with what's been issued.
7: Okay. Um, I thought that's what the conversation had been between yourself and Cheryl. Uh, I'll, I'll give my opinion. That would mean that residents in town that have legally installed lighting outside um within and without a, a bylaw that dictated that they couldn't or shouldn't uh, they've done nothing wrong
2: mm-hmm.
7: and i think it's unfair to uh, impact any of our residents that did something legal uh to now have to comply with a bylaw that makes what they have installed um effectively in conflict with the bylaw Mm -hmm. i i just uh,
19: remember remember fahey may if i if i may um bylaws and rules of building change all the time as i'm sure you know um for example if you were to put on a new bedroom now in your house you'd have to have hardwired um smoke detectors outside of each bedroom door um that is something that when it was built it was within the bylaws of the building codes of our town now it's no longer within those bylaws. And when you are made aware of that, you have to come to compliance with it. It has to be hardwired actually to your um, electrical system, which can cost upwards of thousands of dollars to do that instead of just changing a light bulb, which I don't know, on average costs, what? $15 these days. Um, so I, I I wanna push back gently and just say, there is always things that are changing and we always have to update when we go to do new things in our town with our buildings. So I don't see this as an imposition. I I see this as an opportunity for us to get into compliance with at least 55 other cities and towns across the Commonwealth and allowing our folks a fair notice um, to make sure that they are in compliance or if they have any questions, they can absolutely ask Mr. Pondack to come out with one of those cheap little handheld things and take a reading um, and see if they need to make a change. Is that going to be difficult in the beginning for Mr. Conduct? I would assume so. I would assume it's going to be a lot of phone calls of people not knowing. But again, if you have, currently have any floodlights, I've got four of them on my house. They're all within compliance of what we're talking about. There is no change that's going to happen to that. These are specifically for lights that are shining and glaring into properties that are not illuminating what is directly on your own.
7: You're I, th- I think what you're saying, Aaron, is that the only change that someone might need to do is changing the uh, lumen level of a of a lamp. Correct. So, change from a a hundred, I guess in old in old terms, a hundred watt to seventy five <laughs> watt, <laughs>
2: yeah.
7: whatever lumen to a different <laughs> lumen. Are, are you saying that that is the limit of what we would be asking residents to do? It, you know, I guess I'm, I'm I'm just considering the fact that it might be more than just changing the, the, uh, the, the uh, um, lumen level of a lamp.
19: Um, I, I agree with you, Mr. Mr. Uh, Member Fahey, sorry about that. Um, I. Uh, you can call me Sean, Aaron.
7: I'm still Sean to everybody <laughs> on the board.
19: Um, I am also old school in that I think that it's wattage as well, but I am not an expert in that area. So from my understanding is, yes, you would either have to change the wattage of your light or if it was something that was shining around the clock outwards into the open, it would have to be on a motion decept- de- detector um, or the positioning of it would have to be changed a little bit. So, for example, if you have a floodlight that's on 24-7 and it shines outward from the front of your house into the street, that would have to be turned down. De- it would have to A, make sure that you're the correct wattage, and B, position so that it was on your um, On your property so that the glare was not in the eyes of oncoming drivers or anything like that. So if you had external property that was a runway that you were lighting up, you would have to either change all that out or take it down or put it on a motion detector. Those are the options under this bylaw. Great.
1: Does that answer your question, Sean?
7: I guess I'm still uncomfortable with what this all means. I, 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 in the, I guess in the spirit of not taking too much time, I, um, uh, I'm, I'm not quite comfortable, but I'll allow the conversation to continue with others. And, and
6: thanks, um, thanks Erin, mm-hmm. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, uh, Rich, you are next.
6: Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, just a couple comments, quick comments. Um, I'll, I'll try to make it quick in the interest of time. Um, So just to start, I mean, this is definitely something that I'm really interested in generally. This is where I spend all of my time. I spent the last 25 years in lighting, um, anywhere from design to, you know, building and things like that. So I care a lot about this. I spend a lot of time with these rules of dark sky compliance, things like that. Um, I work for an energy efficiency company. So we do, I do care deeply about this stuff. Um, With that said, I have the same concerns as you, Sean. The other I, I, my question is Tim you've been quiet for like four minutes so maybe I'll uh, I'll throw something else at you sorry I love bringing yeah. you in on it um a little just a little clarity for because there's a lot of folks watching um so if this comes through um a zoning process it would come through our normal process for zoning right we would have a public okay. hearing okay um so with that said I, I like that it's being changed to that I wouldn't have been um supportive if it just went to town meeting without the planning board because i do think this has a lot of like this touches a lot of things and there needs to be a lot of thought put into it um, i wouldn't want to see us just adopt what just because other towns are doing it um, i do again do care about these things but i also know that you know there's a lot of things going on between current neighbors um, and back and forth and and i want to i'd like to see us separate this from all that and and bring it through a typical process which in my opinion will take a good amount of time um i would not be supportive of this going and i don't know if it was planning on going to the next time meeting, but i wouldn't be supportive of that because it's going to take a long time to get through this and i'm seeing you (laughs) nod your head Meredith. so i'm assuming that's the case Um, but yeah in in general i i agree with folks are saying i do agree with you sean I, i don't feel like we're the type of town where we all of a sudden make these new rules and say hey you've got 20 days to fix it, and it's gonna cost you some money. That's gonna be a burden on a lot of folks. Um, and so we should be very thoughtful. Not to say the folks that are proponents aren't being thoughtful on it. Um, again, I, I, I spend a lot of my days in your space, and so I do care. And if I may, Madam Chair-
0: um, Yes, absolutely. Which this is exactly one of the reasons why we wanted to come uh, to and through the, the uh, planning board. And um, you would determine um, the appropriate process and the appropriate timing. Great. And we'd be happy to partner with you. I appreciate that the process.
1: Thank you. Arthur.
19: If I, if I may, me? Mr. Yes. Chair, um, there's there's many neighbors as you I heard earlier. Um, there's 80 people that have signed on to this petition in a short time. Um, I would hope that the planning board would take this up as swiftly and as possibly necessary. Um, Rich, I understand that it's a, a long process, I get that, I've worked in the legislature for many years, they uh, take longer than anybody else on the plan, so I get that. Um, I would ask, however, that um, we take into account not only the fact that this is something that affects people across the town, but also could potentially affect any billboard signage that comes into our town, as the as the chair and member of the Conservation Commission mentioned. So. Um, so if there's any way um, at all that you could move this along, it, it was at least my hope that we could try and have this done for the uh, May annual town meeting. This has been on the agenda for multiple special town meetings now. Um, and the town council and I have worked very thoroughly through this um, and decided at the last minute to put it through this new process. So um, know that we have had other um, discussions and hope and so, I just ask that you all would consider um, moving as quickly as possible. So, thank you,
1: Erin um, and Maggie. You had your hand up. Yes, thanks. I just want to
5: say um, thanks to Erin and Mr. Doyle for advocating for the protection of our natural habitats and wildlife and open spaces. I think your efforts are um, in keeping with the first goal of our master plan which is to protect our natural character. So I do hope your conservation efforts at Turner's Pond has expanded to other endangered sites um, throughout our, our town. Um, I know, you know the town is rapidly losing open space and given the development pressures we're experiencing, it seems like preserving our green spaces and conservation land that we have today um seems urgent and wise and ethical. So I thank you for your efforts. Um, I do think um, it, it warrants a discussion and multiple public hearings. But um, I'm also wondering if you looked at the town's lighting bylaw that was drafted back in 2015. So I went into the town's website I was sort of looking for the language for your proposal, but then I discovered that there's a draft proposal from 2015 from the planning board back then. And so I was wondering if you reviewed that and I wanted to know what the differences kind of were between that initiative back then and this. And um, I'm sort of wondering um, if you looked into who was part of that initiative back then in writing the language. And I was kind of wondering like what happened to it back then? Um, was there not enough support of it back then? Um, you know, it'd just be nice to have some historical information. Um, so to your point, so we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And I don't need the answers to those questions answered now, but I think if we decide to take it on as an initiative um, I think that there's a lot of great information that has been done by um, previous Milton Planning Boards that maybe we should
1: um, consider. Thanks. Thank you, Maggie. Um, Cheryl, did you want to comment on that? You had your hand up, or is that a different?
4: No, um, I just want to make a suggestion. Maybe um, we can have a, uh, a person or small. Um, working group uh, that might be composed of someone from the planning board, someone such as Tim or Josh from Planning Department, and perhaps Aaron or Arthur, Uh, because um, I was on the board then, Maggie, when that lighting was discussed, and I have to go back and dig into the cobwebs here and see what, if I can um, bring at least the information that we have in our records forth. Um, but I think there's all, been a lot of work done already. Uh, it sounds like by Conservation Commission and Select Board and Town Council, and so you know it's always good to learn from our colleagues in those uh, departments and um, and those wise advisors at Town Council. Um, so if maybe that's a way for us to get ourselves a little bit more up to speed um, than just taking it over in a in a draft form that. You know they have spent a lot of time on. I know myself, having spent a lot three years working on Milton Village, that um, there's tons of information that you gather and being able to um, share that and pass the baton is really important. So um, I might share. I might um, suggest at least one meeting uh, of of these representatives, if not more. Thanks. I
1: think that's great. Uh, Arthur, you have your hand up.
0: Thank you, Madam Chair. If I may. Um... Just two quick comments. Uh, One with respect to 2015 and recognizing the phenomenal advancements that have taken place in lighting technology over the last in technologies in the plural over the last eight years and um, that would need to be taken into consideration and we want to have whatever is ultimately adopted uh, addressing the continuing advancement of lighting technologies and if I may, uh, uh, going to um, Maggie's comments about uh, the environment, I very much appreciate, and I'm sure that other members of the Conservation Commission appreciate her comments, and that relates to the timing issue too, and the impact of um, um, adverse lighting i will use that expression on the reproductive cycles of certain animal, flora, fauna, and so on down the line and um, I ask that you keep that in mind as well.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much. We heard heard from a resident earlier. I don't think the coyotes are having a problem.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. um,
3: Call back guys.
1: And there was a Megan Walsh who had her hand up but I'm not seeing um, if she's still with us. I was gonna allow her to speak next. Megan would like to come back on. Um, I'm sorry, we just are now getting to uh, the public. So keep your eyes open if you see uh, a Megan Walsh come back on. Um, and in the meantime, I just would like to just thank Aaron um, and Arthur and for all of your work on this. Um, this is actually an issue that I have been um, very concerned about for for quite a while. Um, and so I just, I really appreciate, you are bringing this um, and working so hard, dil- diligently on this article, um, and I would love to see something go go it, go to town meeting. Um, my concern, what I what I we would need is to have some multiple public hearings, um, and I, I really like Cheryl. I like your idea of maybe you know a working group in conjunction with with hearing from concerns of the public. Um, I think that, that process is really important. Um, and just the, the, the challenge for me and I, and looking at the schedule and I, I really, I invited Arthur and Aaron because I, I really want to see us, you know, try to do something with this, um, but the, 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 just the timing right now, and I'm extremely sensitive with trying to, you know, move things quickly and, and not um, delay is that the. Warrant for town meeting uh, for the spring town meeting has technically already closed. I know there is a, a placeholder, um, but we are we are rapidly um, we are looking in the eyes of public hearings for the memory care four hundred and forty granite. Um, we've got the MBTA zoning, which we are we have to complete um, scheduled by the end of the year, and then we have we're in the midst of the East Milton um, doing overlay zoning. On that, which is going to, all of these are going to be intense public hearings and, and lengthy meetings. Um, and so, I want to um, say that I will do my best in, in, you know, in looking at schedules. But we may be looking um, at a, you know, I was when I talked to Arthur about spring. I really wasn't thinking of all we have already booked through March on our on our agendas um, for public hearings. So it may be something that would be we could really have ready for a fall special town meeting, which is typically when our zoning would be done um, for a fall town meeting. Um, and I, you know, I always say there's an opportunity for a citizens, you know, a, an article um, if if somebody wanted to fast track it. But I think having you know listening to the community, listening to public hearings, um, can only make this better. And you know obviously, there's there's a lot of thought and and uh, detail on what has gone into what we currently have, um, but just making it the best article possible. I just um I just the board should be aware of everything that we have coming coming uh, coming at us pretty quickly. so. Uh, Aaron, yes, in response to that.
19: Thank you, Madam Chair. I just had a question because I don't know the answer to this. Yeah. And maybe this is a question for town council. Um, if somebody does a citizen's petition and it fails at town meeting, as most citizens' petitions do, um, let's just be honest, is it possible for the planning board or the select board to take up an article that has failed already previously at town meeting? I believe that,
1: that would that be matters. a
19: question for town council.
1: Yeah, town council. but. I believe um, that it that it can, um, it would be the, you know, if the planning board if it didn't pass. Um, right, right. But, but with a citizen's petition that's, um, I think it would be still fine for the planning board but uh, Cheryl.
4: I just wanted to um, mention that if it's a citizen's petition that relates to zoning, the planning board is required to hold a public hearing. So it would force the board to have the hearing sooner rather than later. Honestly.
2: So, thank you.
6: Yeah. Uh, rich. Yep. Yeah, just for what it's worth, and you know, I'm one person, but my I'm I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, you know, this is a bylaw that affect that would I mean it will affect everybody in town, and I think a lot. I, you're Not not that it hasn't been a thoughtful process, but if it's coming through us and it's streamlined or, or pushed fast, there's, I mean, I can tell you now, I, I would never, I couldn't support it because we just wouldn't have the time. Um, again, I'm only one vote, but I do care about this subject and I just, I'd want to see us uh, put a lot of, you know, good thoughts put into it. Personally, I, I think you're going to have a tough time bringing a citizen's petition that potentially, as Not speak for you, Sean, but I think I heard you correctly in saying, you know, this could mean that people have twenty one days to make changes. That's I've never seen that in town um, before, and that's that's that's, in my opinion, pretty harsh. Um, So I I think you're gonna have tough time.
1: Yeah, but I I think we can all agree that it is um, it is something that we all care about. And um, Judith Daryl Kemp was one of my Favorite people in Milton and anything that she would support, I I would definitely back up and and be behind. So um, I I love to hear that that was um, sort of a thoughtful initiative that she wanted to take on. So Megan's um, back. And Megan's back. I did see Megan. So let's um, invite Megan to come and speak with us.
2: Hello there. Sorry, I even put my kids to bed.
1: <laughs> uh, that's right. Welcome, Megan. If you can introduce yourself and your address, please.
20: Okay. My name is Megan Mosh. I'm at 107 Church Street. Um, and I heard the majority of this and echo, you know, the majority of the concerns. I just want to see if this is passed, how we like put a, a complaint forward. Because you can't just say like, oh, so-and-so's lights are like shining. We need to have like certain um, stipulations and regulations as to like how you put forward a complaint. And that probably would require some sort of equipment, right? You can't just drive by somebody's house and say, oh, that's too bright for me. There has to be, like, we need the guidelines of, like, the certain lumens, wattage, whatever, and have, like, a standard process going forward that you just can't submit, like, a blatant, this person's lights bother me, you know, like, just requirements, restrictions, and if this person falls within the violation, and then you can submit it, because to everyone's point, this is such a waste of a lot of people's time. And it's going to be, a, I mean, I, I hope not. But if this were to pass, I think it's it's going to cause a lot of petty um, uh, violation requests that require a lot of time for people to investigate. So just from a town perspective, if we like you can't submit until you Adhere to this documentation, and that's it. Thank you. <laughs>
1: okay. Thank you, Megan. Appreciate it. Great. Um, we now have um, Andy Damato. Um, if we could allow Andy to speak.
21: Good evening. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I may have missed this part, but who who's the enforcing uh, these? The violations. Is this uh, Joe the police Pondack. or is this uh, Joe? Joe, Joe Prondack?
1: Yes. Yep. Okay.
21: Um, who short? Yeah, but right my <laughs> problem is enforcement. You know, you, yeah. you could have uh, a bylaw and, uh, you know, who's going to enforce it? And if it's Joe Prondack, he seems to be pretty busy with this housing boom. And he also has the restaurant. Uh, special permits in which he has to uh adjudicate and quite frankly i think that department's overworked so I, my big thing is you know let's do something that can be enforced um otherwise it's you know a dog with no teeth so to speak so th- that was my only only comment but i i do think it's a, it, it's an important um matter that the town has to uh Address uh, with this housing boom and uh, all sorts of development seem to happen, uh, and I would like to spend you know the right amount of time on this and make sure it's done right in one time. So th- that's it. And th- thanks so
2: much for the time.
1: Thank you, thank you. Okay, great. Well, Aaron and and Arthur, thank you so much. I just appreciate your Coming and um, are, do do you have any comments um, before we wrap this up?
0: I'll to- just say thank you, Madam um, Chair, and members of the board for entertaining this important matter, and we look forward to collaborating with you.
1: Terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I second what Mr. Chair just said. Yeah.
7: Thank you. Barbara. Thank you again <laughs> thank you, for all
1: of your work on this and all of your time. We really appreciate
7: yeah. it. Thanks very
1: much. Okay. Great. Okay. Um, Great, so we now have a discussion. Um, it's a in support for the the Milton Pickleball Players Community Preservation Act application. Um, just so the members know and we'll we'll bring in um, our guest for tonight. Let me just see Mary Blanchette um, if we can bring Mary in um, just so the board knows um, the deadline for supporting letters was actually on the 25th. Um, so technically, they are not taking letters at this time, but I did want Mary to be able to come before us, um, be able to discuss this, um, you know, with the planning board, and um, we could certainly um, she can explain what um, sort of what their application is because I believe that has changed from the initial um, CBC application uh, to more of a study at this time, and um, we'll allow her to speak, but. Um, We can lend our support, Um, we just can't, and and she could carry that information back to the CPC committee um, when she meets with them, but we just technically can't write a letter at this point, so, but we would love to hear from Mary and some of the residents. Hi.
22: um, Good evening, everybody. Uh, You guys worked late. Um,
1: Thank you. Sorry, Mary, to keep you waiting to to get on.
22: I I, uh, asked... Rob Lavash, uh, chair of the CPC committee, about the letter deadline. Mm -hmm. And he said he would accept a letter of support from a town uh, board um, up until a couple of weeks from now. So he's extended that deadline um, for you. Um, So what um, we, a group of Milton pickleball players, about 30 people have Uh, bonded together and requested, uh, I can't even talk anymore, Um, have requested uh, funding from the CPA to build dedicated outdoor pickleball courts in Milton. And um, we, our current application for the committee is for $20,000 for a feasibility study to study areas in Milton, where we could possibly put up to eight courts. Um, We had initially suggested Kelly Field or Andrews Park, um, but uh, they wanted us to broaden our sites um, to think about other areas um, because those those neighborhoods, the houses could be close to the courts and get a lot of opposition um, because of the location of them and mainly the noise um, from pickleball. So um, Rob had asked me to um, get three things for this application after it was initially approved. Uh, One was letters of support which we've gone out and canvassed neighborhoods and we've gotten 440 um, signatures of support. Um, People are very eager to either learn the sport or to be able to play it in Milton. Many Milton residents go to other towns to use their courts. Um, We've studied all the other um, CPC projects, CPA projects in Massachusetts that many, many of them, I. I would say, I don't know, at least 60 towns have gotten funding from CPA to build courts in their towns and looked at what they've asked for and how much they asked for, how much it costs to build them and whatnot. Um, So there is a lot of interest among residents. Um, Number two, um, Rob had asked us to get a feasibility study. So that we've um, spoken to a couple of firms and we're now working with um, Bill Madden, who's a Milton resident and landscape architect with Lombardi Landscape Architecture in Boston. And he um, is very excited about working on a project in Milton. He has already been involved with building the American League baseball field at Cunningham Park. And he has also done some pro bono work in Milton. He's very gung-ho about helping out and making sure that we can get um, the study done and look for places to put the courts. Um, And the third thing that Rob asked me for was letters of support from various town committees you being one of them. Um, So again, this application, um, I'm asking you for a letter to go to the CPC um, to um, support our request for funding for the
2: feasibility study.
1: Great. Mary, thank you so much. Questions from the board? Um, uh, Maggie, I see your hand up.
2: I think you're muted.
5: Sorry, it's not um, necessarily a question. It's more of a comment about the process. And I know we sort of talked about it a little bit at our um, last meeting. Um, So I don't want to, um, it's not about this pickleball proposal necessarily. It's just, um, I just want to say that I'm not really liking this, Process. Um, I think it's unfair that the CPC um, are asking applicants to seek out board approvals. Um, the charge of the CPC is determine is for them to determine what the priorities are in town, and then if needed, the CPC themselves would actually consult with the boards and town staff. But they really are the ones who should be meeting with the residents. Um, in fact, I believe part of their charge is they're required to hold at least one public meeting to seek input from the residents. So first off, and I don't know if Rich, you know the answer because you're our rep there, but have they um, have they held at least one um, public meeting for the residents to attend? And um, I just wanna, Further say that the CPC is funded by all of us, the taxpayers. And I feel like the CPC should be seeking residence input. Um, I think the CPC should create a survey um, with all the applicants and send it out, you know, through the town hall with the, the emails that town staff has. It should be posted on the town's website. Put in the times. You know, drop it off at the senior center. Um, and you know, this is a, kind of been just giving it a lot of thought from, from our last farmers market request. But I just think, like, as a taxpayer, I I don't know if I believe that the money should be going into any studies. Like, so much money is spent on studies um, that. I want to be able to see something physically get built. Like if we need a playground, then we should like build it. And if we need a bridge over Hope's Pond, then like we need to make it. I just think all the studies should be performed before applying for funding. Um, like I personally would like to see CPC funds put towards shovel ready projects. um And I just want to see where all of our money is going and like, so we can all take pride of a sense of accomplishment. Um, And I just don't think that the responsibility falls on the planning board to support one project over another. Um, Like the whole town, we all know there's so many needs in town and I don't think it's necessarily up to us when we have a, a committee that was formed for this very reason. So I'm not saying I don't support pickleball. I just, I'm just hesitant. I just don't think we should be weighing in on this. It's just
22: my thoughts. I I think you're uh, speaking to the process, which has been confusing. And Rob has explained to me that we're all learning together. This is the first year that they're actually going through this whole process and changes will be made. Um, Rob has only asked the um, applicants who need feasibility, feasibility studies to request letters of support from town boards. I believe that's three groups and I forget who the other two are. Um, So it's specifically about um, asking for the money to do the study. I understand what you're saying about do the study first then apply for the money, but we don't have any money. We're just a group of people Play. I don't know who would pay for the feasibility study to then apply for the money. Um, And before we have a community meeting, uh, we need to know what it is we're proposing to the community. Uh, right now, we don't even know what neighborhood we would be talking to. So um, it would be very general. Um, <clears throat> so that's my understanding of why I'm here.
1: And to that comment, Mary, um, we did get quite a few letters um, from neighbors and abutters um, in East Milton near the Andrews Park oh, area yeah. location. And um, the, just great concern because that is such a tight um, the park and the limited parking um, and open space at that time. Um, if you did get the funding of the study, do you think you would take off the Andrews um, field as um, consideration?
22: I don't know. Um, we have to see what Bill Madden comes up with. Um, one of the problems with Andrews, other than, I mean, we got a lot of signatures from that neighborhood as well. So I don't know how you weigh the opposition versus the people who are in favor. Um, but it the ADA access at that park would be very expensive. Um, and so I doubt very much would be able to afford eight courts plus ADA access at that location. And Bill Madden has said, he may come up with suggestions saying, put two over here, put two over at this park, with three somewhere else, yeah. You know, which to me seems like that would be more expensive, but it really depends if you need drainage at those locations. Um, what's the ADA access like, and um, what the neighborhood uh, feels about it. Um, so you know, if we had a place like in the middle of a field far away from everything that would be great, but it doesn't exist. Um, so we're still looking for places, you know, I drive around looking at, oh, that parking lot over there looks like it would be good, <laughs> but, you know, it's not being used. Um, so I, I really don't know, you know, we would definitely <clears throat> have to, if Andrews came up as a spot that was realistic, uh, we'd have to talk to them and mm-hmm. see what we can mm-hmm. work out. There is the sound barrier There is a sound barrier available um, that you can put on the fence to decrease the reverberations that leave the court. Um, The Bill Madden has spoken to us because he's he's doing a court in uh, Wellesley, and they're using that on the fence to ameliorate the
1: cracking noise. And I do understand the need for a professional landscape architect um, because drainage is an issue if you're dealing with any sort of a court, um, you know, if sort of a study and having that professional expertise um, and having, you know, somebody who lives in Milton to help do it um, at a reasonable cost. I, I do understand um, the importance of of doing a study for, for finding that right site, uh, not just, you know, Location, but but more the topography and and the a um, little bit more of the the details that a landscape architect would be an expert in. So.
22: and and how much preparatory work it would take. For instance, okay. I think there's two tennis courts at Andrews, but they're very close to the uh, where the houses are. Yeah. And so we decided that wouldn't be good because very close. and we went up to the corner um, near Granite Place which is really at the bottom of a hillside. So we didn't think the sound would carry up to Granite Place. Um, but um, those courts, uh, we understand are underutilized. I can't prove that. I haven't gone there every hour of every day. But if we already had a surface to build on or they couldn't be improved upon, it's going to be a lot less expensive than starting out de novo in a field or you know, something that's not paved already. Uh,
1: Cheryl, you had your hand up. Did you have a question for Mary?
4: Um, No, I just wanted to let my fellow members know, since I'm our representative to the Master Plan Implementation Committee, this uh, application also came before our committee. um, And we looked at it through the lens of the master plan and um, some of the recommendations in the master plan related to increasing recreational opportunities and also uh, increasing opportunities for people of all ages to have um, opportunities to increase their health through physical activity. And so we felt as if this application for a study uh, was consistent with some of those goals. And so we voted to support it, but we, We didn't, uh, to all those folks who wrote to the planning board related to a particular location, uh, we understood this application to be that, to study multiple places and find if there is a location that would work and not having any particular location in the application. So I just want to be clear about that. But I just want to share that with the board.
22: And our co-applicant is the Parks and Rec
2: Department. That's good.
1: All right, we have a couple of um, people from the public. Uh, DNA Lane, if we can let in Danny Lane. I don't know if that's two different people, um, but both have hands up.
23: My name is is Dan Lane. I live on Alvin Avenue. So I'm very close to where they want to locate what is your number? What is the address on? One seven seven. One seven seven. Thank you. Alvin. Yeah. You. And uh, it's it's a very cl- close neighborhood. The lots are small, so it would it would really interfere with a lot of people. Uh, I, I know it's very noisy. Uh, so I'm totally against it.
1: In that location? In the Andrews?
23: Well, that's park. all I've seen. Yeah. A picture of eight courts on on. Uh, on uh, Andrews I Park.
4: Great. So, Meredith, can, can you be clear and maybe Mary can be clear that this is not a proposal for location at andrews that's not what we're discussing supporting
22: correct
6: it, that's correct okay. can i ask a quick question on that sorry we yes. further so the the original application so just to be clear for everybody that's watching the original application um was for the pickleballs and i believe mary correct me if i'm wrong it it, it was for andrews but also If I remember the meeting that you guys were in, but you were open to you know other locations in the town. So I believe that's true unless something has changed. And then my next comment would be: the feasibility study, I guess this would be a question. Feasibility study would be feasibility of all of our parks and where would you put it? So it's not that you're looking for it specifically in maybe Andrew's Park right now, but the reason why I think you said it's not off the table is because it's a feasibility study so it could go in any one of our parks. So just wanna make that clear because while you're not looking for support right now for Andrews Park, ultimately it's support in any one of those parks.
1: Yeah, that's right. Okay. Great. Um, Sean, you had a question?
7: <clears throat> um, I guess, I guess I'll make a comment and then and then I'll ask my question. Uh, my comment is that based on what I'm hearing about the noise of pickleball and proximity to residents, sounds like it would have been a great application to put this on the deck over the expressway. Um, but since that ship has probably sailed, um, my my question is, what is there a proposal uh, for? I, I share Maggie's concern. Now, I also recognize the value in, um, in 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 what a study would give us because wherever they go, we need to make sure that we're making a good decision because there'll be an investment of dollars to build courts if we get to that point in time. But um, w- what is the services that you know? Is it outlined or is is the request? Uh, Meredith, can you, can you help me and mm-hmm. be specific, the $20,000 that's being asked, um, there is, is a the digital definition digital. of what those services are or is it just-
1: Yes, and it's, a, and it's a specific proposal um, that's been put through uh, by Mr. Madden, um, who would go through, you know, his it's basically a, a bill of, of what he would in- itemize, um, list of what he would do and Mary you can add to that if you want, but it's it's specific tasks that are underlined and broken out.
22: Yeah, it would include um, site drawings of the proposals and what it would uh, entail to build them how much it would cost and a timeline.
7: And and also some um comments in terms of the engineering challenges i I know you mentioned drainage earlier which is which is an obvious concern that's
22: that's what i mean about what it would take to build them. what um Mm -hmm. barriers or you know expenses would be incurred Um, he said the scope of services he would perform be a design study um the proposed schedule a concept sketch um, indicating court locations, walkways, siting, and planning, landscape plan development, preliminary budget, and project scope review. Um, and uh, just to go back, you know, I thought about the expressway park there as well. The problem with that, I think, would be parking. And that's another consideration of all of these places. Um, you know, Andrews doesn't have a lot of parking, neither does Kelly. Um, you know, there's no parking in East Milton. So there's
1: concerns. Yeah. With all, this. all right, um, Danny Lee Lane still has a hand up and I don't know if that's a different person, um, but yeah. we have, is it?
2: Yes.
24: Okay, uh, Danny Lane. Uh, can we let Danny
1: Lane in? Hello. Hello, welcome.
24: Hey, thank you for for having me. So the the gentleman who just spoke was my father, Okay. and uh, so he bought his house in 1976. Well, he built his house in 1976, and it's a dead end on the end of Alvin Ave. And that area of the park is is very. Water logs, and anyone who knows that area, I've lived there my whole life, they know that area is very water puddles in the summer in the spring. The winter is snow. It's not the best location. I understand that they'll they're looking for a place for pickleball courts, but that's not that's not the gr- greatest area. Um, i I get it, but we my father's paid tax in this town since 1976. And it seems like this is moving along to be put there. And there's been no say we've had we had a meeting on Saturday among the neighbors that abut the Andrews Park area. And they're not for it. And I get I heard the applicant say that they've got uh, signatures and it's just I I don't understand. I just don't think that's that's the area for it. Um, we 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 understand there was there was a big push to have the uh, community of aging to to, to have for uh, to, to the need for pickleball. There's a there's a big parking lot there. We have that has that been explored because the area they're looking at we are we are parking between. Uh, soccer baseball everything else now you're adding eight pickleball courts 32 players i just i just don't I just don't I don't support it we don't support it and that's where we stand. I'm sorry that's that's where we are.
1: Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you Danny. Okay. Um and now next we have Katie Conover <clears throat> Katie
25: Hi there. Thank you so much for uh hearing me out. Um I just want to and I understand that we're not talking specifically about Andrews. I want to say like pickleball's awesome. I think it would be so great if Milton had a place where people could play pickleball. Um you know, I support that fully, but I just can't speak to Andrews Park enough. I just I have two kids, 7th grade, 5th grade. I coach all their teams, so does my husband. And there are, we are so limited in this town when it comes to space where kids can just go and play, you know, pick up a football and play pickup, pick up a basketball and play pickup. Andrews Park is really and truly one of the last few spaces where kids can go and meet their friends and go and play. And so I would hate to see an opportunity for kids to, for that free play to go away, Also, too, there's so many sports in towns that utilize Andrews. There's not an inch of that grass field that is not utilized all spring, all summer, all fall. I would love to see pickleball, but I can't, you know, I can't be more serious when I say Andrews would probably be the very worst place for it. And I have to commend Maggie for speaking about You know, waste. I don't. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't say wasting money on a feasibility study, but I agree. If there are places in town where we know we don't want pickleball, then maybe the maybe those areas get taken off the table, and maybe that feasibility study isn't the twenty thousand dollars that was initially stated. Maggie, I'm with you when when I say, isn't it nice to work for something where you can actually see a final product and have some pride in it, and to be able to produce an area that our whole community can use. Thank you for hearing me out.
1: Thank you, Katie. <clears throat> Appreciate that. Uh, next, we have Joe. Uh, OS. Oh, and um, I didn't get the address of the last. Did she say the? All right, we can look that up. But...
2: Hi,
26: this is Brenda and Joe Oskin. We're at one forty-three right. Franklin Street. Thank I you. emailed you guys the board, and um, I'm listening to this discussion and. and I'm hearing there's a feasibility study application, yet they're going for full funding within a month. Uh, this feasibility study, in in my opinion, how can a month that be done in a month with that kind of expense, with no representation of everyone here in this area surrounding Edwards Park. I grew up here. My My grandfather was a coach over at, at that. And then to boot, throwing in the comment about using the tennis courts, which I played varsity tennis for high school. I learned tennis over those tennis courts and to think that they can be taken over by something else at this point really alarms me. So first, how can a, a feasibility study with the expense of that be done in time to be presented for apl- for the application of the funds and the decision on that in in, in and a, and a good time frame and a fair time frame, and uh, just as was wondering how that can be accomplished. And I do agree
2: with the prior caller on everything she said. Um, well said. Thank you. Thank you.
1: And Mary, do you want to just respond because um, this would not be getting a feasibility study done in that amount of time. This no, month.
22: I don't know um, where she heard about that month deadline. It's probably going to be more like June. And when I referenced the tennis courts, I should have said that they would be like the ones we currently play on at Kelly, which each tennis court is marked as two pickleball courts. So they'd be dual use. That's what we mean when we say dedicated pickleball courts. But if we use tennis courts, they would be used for both sports.
1: Thank you, Mary. Um, Sean, you had your hand up next.
7: Thanks, Meredith. Um, I think I, I'm not familiar with the use today of our tennis courts in the town. Uh, I'm just not. I'm not around town during the day enough to be able to say how how much use they have or what they don't have. I, I would also make the same remarks into in regard to our basketball courts. Now. Um, as a kid, we were on the courts all the time, you know, and, and I'm talking the 60s and 70s, so it's a little while ago. But, you know, before we invest a tremendous amount of money in, in a study, you know, I do think a simple evaluation of the use of the courts that we have, whether they be basketball or tennis, and try to determine how much use they're actually getting. And we may very well accomplish our objective of having a place for pickleball, by um, making the surfaces that we already have um, adaptable to play um, uh, multiple sports on them. All of the courts that we have um, were were single use courts when they were built. Basketball courts will line just for basketball and tennis courts will line just for tennis. But, you know, obviously times have changed. Uh, Uses of the courts have changed. Um, there, there was a time when, you know, you you would struggle to get onto a court because they were, and I was a kid that hung out at Cunningham and at and Andrews Park, and uh, the courts were full. But, you know, I, I just wonder if we are we not considering um, how we could best use the surfaces that have already been built that we have. Thank you.
1: All right, uh, next did you want mary to respond to that or did that it's just sort of well i'm I'm not sure yeah
7: yeah i apologize for such an open-ended question but i think that's what
1: they're looking at i think that's part of what all of this feasibility study would be Um,
7: and and with with due respect to the consultant um, it seems like a substantial amount of money for uh you know maybe really what we need is some commentary from parks and recreation you know the, the 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 um leaders in town that do um, have responsibility for those areas of the town. Um,
4: Sean, they're the co-applicant with the pickleball players.
7: And have they, I wonder, have they, have they done what I, you know, had just suggested? Have we considered our, uh, our existing services?
22: Well, they've asked um, that to be part of the feasibility study. Mm -hmm. Um, Parks and Rec is, currently involved in renovating the basketball courts at Andrews Park. Um, and so I think, you know, we're trying to look at every possible location because space is so tight. So Mary,
7: Thank you, Mary. Are they renovating, uh, what, what's, what are they doing with the courts in, uh, in
22: Andrews? I think they're um, in bad condition. I think they're cracked and mm-hmm. they're enlarging them and changing the orientation, turning mm-hmm. them. 90 degrees
7: but they'll remain basketball courts
22: yeah and i don't think they're they're going to be basketball courts i don't think they're taking up any parking spaces
1: by what they're doing
6: Mm -hmm. i understand okay thank you
1: rich and then we have a few more people from the public i just want to be able to get
6: yeah i'll go quick and just in terms of time i don't want to take too much time but um um i i I, well actually i'll start here um just for what it's worth i'm not going to be taking a position just like last time because i'm on The uh, CP um, CPC committee, and so we would be. I would be one of the voting members of that. So I'm not taking a position. However, um, Sean, I do agree with a lot of the comments you just made, and it's something that I've been thinking about for a while. So I just want to say it now. Um, I like. I bet. (laughs) I don't want to speak for any of them, but I would imagine, or I would bet anything, that you could bring the head of any one of our um, sporting in here, whether baseball, football, soccer, whoever is using our fields. And there's probably a lot of the deficiencies our parks have. I know my son got hurt twice last year with foul balls sitting on the uh, dugout in um, Andrews Park because there's no roofs. So and it's kind of embarrassing, just specifically baseball. I'm biased a little to baseball because I've coached there before, and um, so it's what I know. But you know it's embarrassing. But other towns coming to us and we tell them they have to use an outhouse or the trees uh, when their when their kids have to go to the bathroom. And so anyway. My thinking is that, and I don't know, Tim, you don't have to answer this now, but at a later time, maybe again, in the interest of time, what, what role can the planning board take? Because I think one of the things that this town needs, and I don't know if they've done it yet, but is to kind of do like a look at all of our parks and the way we use them in all of the conditions uh, of the sports and you know, really hire somebody to not just do studies on one particular park, or one particular sport, but just look at them all and and are we using them the best that we can? And what do what are our needs? Um, and I feel like I don't know if it's a stretch, but I feel like the planning board should have a role there.
3: Planning board has a representative on the open space and recreation planning committee, um, okay. uh, which is Meredith. Um, which is a process that we are currently engaging in. Now, that that process is a little more high level than kind of the the nitty gritty details of the physical conditions of our parks facilities. But what the open space plan does get after is, A, inventorying everything that we've got. So we have a good understanding of, of recreational, passive recreational conservation open space. And, you know, creates that public forum where you know we can engage with residents and say you know what are your priorities for open space and recreation do we you know what's your experience of waiting for, for a basketball court you know or do you have to go to canton to play pickleball um you know these are all sort of you know the the kind of qualitative questions that will then kind of inform a more detailed look which is probably a step 2 in this process of Okay, you know, it looks like we need more baseball fields, you know, how do we go about acquiring them, Um, you know, how do we go about renovating our existing fields. Um, You know, the fortunate thing about the open space plan is once we have it, we become eligible for state funding through, um, through DCR and the Division of Conservation Services for open space acquisition, open space maintenance, open space, um, you know, uh, yeah maintenance and acquisition mostly um which is funding that we haven't really been eligible for for you know a decade and a half so um you know that's kind of uh where we're at on that so that's that's a process that'll become a little bit more public um in the coming weeks and months um but we're we're working hard on it
6: i appreciate that and just I, for what it's worth then it sounds like that is a little bit more higher level while you know maybe it'll answer some of those i i, I do think that and and it's probably the parks department that it would need to do it. Um, you know, look at the town as a whole um, before we start diving into to,
3: to Yeah, do- and, and and I think the the important thing about the open space plan and, and it's kind of a, a kind of what I what I consider to be sort of a, a planning hygiene kind of issue where um you know you can you, you create these plans and then you, you keep them up. Um, And that, again, it keeps you eligible for funding and it keeps you, you know, in in a space where you have a really good understanding of what your needs are. And, um, you know, then you can kind of utilize that knowledge to kind of further inform, you know, the more detailed analysis that you need to do. And so, you know, again, we haven't had an updated open space plan since 2011. Um, And so we're kind of starting not from scratch, but from almost scratch um so it's it's really important to do this and and to keep um you know keep it updated
1: and what also to note is actually the chair of the the open space of recreation is ted carroll who's the who's the representative from the parks so he's on on that committee so he's got a you know we'll be able to communicate on on those issues and and
6: yeah and it just again sorry taking up extra time but I think it's worth um Tim or somebody maybe Meredith like these things need to come out to the public so like Mm -hmm. for me personally I use these parks all the time my kids use the parks all the time I have no idea what the plan for Andrews Park is I don't have um you know our our daughters way you know much older now but you know looking at the, the softball field or the little league field I mean when my son was on that little league field it was dangerous it, it still is dangerous in a in a way, and so it would be great to know as just a citizen what are the plans and who is working on mm-hmm. what. And so you guys just enlightened enlight, me, and I'm on this board. And <laughs> so um, yeah, I think more info coming up. Yeah, oh, that's
1: great. I think that's a great point, point. Um, and uh, maybe we invite you know a representative from the parks to come and you know to speak to us on what their projects are and um, what their capital improvement projects are and you know, priorities for them. So, great. All right, so now we just have um, next. Mary, you had your hand up. Was that um, in response to something?
22: I wanted to say that um, there are a lot of recreational opportunities in Milton. um, And part of the mission statement for Parks and Rec is to develop opportunities for older people. And though there's tennis courts, um, not as many people play you know basketball or baseball when they're uh, older so there's a ton of activities available for kids but they're also looking for opportunities which pickleball is really the number one sport for older people and as we've gone around and looked at the parks during the day we also want to tell people that the pickleball is played during the day in the morning when the kids are in school so we wouldn't be competing every, every park we've gone to in the morning there may be a couple of dog walkers but there's nobody else using the field between 9 and 12 on weekday mornings Mm -hmm. so it's not to be competitive with you know getting rid of people who are using it for other opportunities
1: great thank you mary Uh, sean is your hand back up because i I do really i'm going to
7: be really quick i just want I'll be really quick. I just wanted to express to Mary how much I support what she's trying to do. I don't want my comments to, to in any way, Mary, um, you know, sound as I don't support it. I do, and uh, and and as a guy who's um, uh, probably at pickleball age and not at uh, basketball and tennis, I, I I look forward to when they are in place. Um, I, I'm just looking for the most. Um, I guess efficient and cost-effective way to accomplish it, and uh, for the for the benefit of the residents of the town. So I one hundred percent I one hundred percent support what you're trying to do.
22: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Okay, and we have uh, Andy Damato. Can we let Andy speak? And then,
21: yeah. Hi. Thanks again, uh, yeah. Andy Damato, precinct seven uh, town meeting member, and um, I'm in Andrews Park at least once a day. Um, And it is a great park. And, you know, uh, tennis courts, I would say, are underutilized. Basketball courts are packed all the time. But uh, Rich sort of uh, stole my thunder there. It was a lot of the same questions I had about the um, town-wide parks and their conditions. Um, But as far as this uh, study goes, is there a component to the study that would have um, you know how this affects the neighborhoods uh, that the courts are on. Is that part of it? I didn't hear that. And I think that's an important part, you know, the, you know, both the sound, the traffic and all that. And um, I didn't think that was in, in the study, but could that be in the study? Uh, because I think it's a, it's a vital part of whether or not this, you know, these pickleball courts go in and, and there's no acrimony attached to them um so that was one question for mary and the other thing i just wanted to mention is uh there's there was an, a very interesting piece on real sports with brian Gumble on pickleball and its effects of the neighborhood and all you know the positives and some of the unintended consequences and i i would really urge um you know all the board members to watch this and anybody else who's listening because it it really it really showed the you know the the incredible good that pickleball is doing for the older population that wants to play a sport as well as some of the you know some of the uh, issues that arise from it so i i would encourage people to watch that if possible but mary is there a component um that would study the noise levels per se if a Court, we're, we're here, you know, how how far away do you hear that ping? Because that was a big issue in that piece as well. So uh, uh, I'll get off. Thank you for the time.
22: Uh, yeah. yeah, we we spoke to um, Bill Madden about that, and the proposal will include proximity to housing and neighborhoods and parking.
2: Great. Thank you.
1: Um, next, we have Dennis.
16: I want Dennis to speak. Hi, hey, Don. My name is Dennis Walsh. I live at 60 Howe, and earlier, my neighbor Jim Pelton was trying to speak and he couldn't unmute himself. We oh. both live. Our backyard is the tennis courts. Pretty much, we're probably 40 feet to the tennis court, and if you look at nationwide lawsuits. the sound traveling into our backyard and to our houses, I think it's something that should be taken very seriously to the board and the surrounding community. Uh, Jim Pelton lived in Arizona in a condominium complex and they invested over a million dollars in pickleball and within a year they There were so many complaints, they ended up ripping up the pickleball courts and Mm. wasting a million dollars of their money. And more importantly, I would not want that noise in my backyard over and over and over again.
22: Did that community do a feasibility study?
16: I'm sure. I'm sure they did, and they probably thought it was a great idea with their feasibility study. Until the reality of it in your backyard is something completely different from a feasibility study.
22: Uh, we've talked about that, and that's part of the study is the proximity to houses. That's why we didn't like that part of Andrews. Yeah,
16: if you there's a couple of towns on the south shore that have uh, lawsuits currently. The pickleball courts that were put in. So it's something people should consider.
2: Thank you, Dennis. Thank you. All right. Um, And we have Sheila Pagliucci. Pagliucci. Sheila, you can uh, unmute yourself and we can. You're still muted, Sheila. <clears throat> you're unmuted.
1: Not sure if Sheila is still with us. Um, why don't we go, I think Joe, uh, you were a previous speaker. Oh, Sheila, you're, now you can speak. See, so you're unmuted.
2: Now you're muted again. All right. Sorry, Sheila, we can come back.
1: <clears throat> All right, Joe. Um, Joe?
2: Oh,
26: hi, this is Brenda and Joe again. Just uh.
1: And Joe, uh, what was your address again? I'm sorry uh, for the record. I apologize, I didn't get it last time. Uh,
26: 143 Franklin Street. Great, sorry. Uh, no, basically everyone just pretty much the uh, the feasibility study basically um, I understand the need. Um, it's kind of it's, it's kind of flip side back where you apply for funding yet you do a study after you get the funding and then the openness of well we want to reserve all the parks and all the spaces and we just you know, they're not really no consideration, even after all this discussion, is the neighbors at this point at early on the early stage, and I'm I'm a little disappointed in that. But beyond that, it's if the feasibility study is funded, I do believe possibly the option of having a specific engineering firm that specializes in pickleball sounds be represented in that study versus one company or div- studying doing the entire study. I think it'd be more objective if you have a specific engineering company that has studied the effects of pickleball sounds represented in that study, in addition to or with it as a secondary source of information. And that's, that's all I have to say. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Very good. Point. <clears throat> and we have one um, I believe the last speaker, Elaine Benson. If we can allow Elaine
2: to speak. Good evening. Good evening.
27: Uh, I just wanted to, well, first off, thanks for going so late at night. This is um <laughs> late night for yeah. interesting topic, but um I just wanted to say I, I greatly support the idea of a townwide plan for our parks. I love that idea. Um, I also appreciate that people like Mary in town, who are really passionate about the sports they enjoy playing, are putting forth an effort to make those sports more accessible. Um, I personally have never played pickleball, but I've heard great things about it. Um, as someone who lives on Granite Place, I abut Andrews Park and I agree with several former speakers about the feasibility of Andrews in particular. I've had you know neighbors that have reached out who are very involved in Milton youth sports and have shared how much opportunity exists right now for our fields in term of youth of youth sports. Um, that said, I, I fully support a feasibility study. I think that that makes sense at this juncture in looking at multiple ports, including the existing tennis court at Andrews. And lastly, I you know I appreciate one of the planning board members comments about like let's just get let's get these CPC projects done. Let's you know let's build a bridge, but. That said, you know, we'd hopefully never build a bridge without performing significant studies on topography and civil engineering and geotechnical engineering, et cetera. So I feel that that Mary's approach is reasonable in starting with this study. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Elaine. Great. So. So the board um, comments, any other um, comments from the board and do we feel like we would like to have a motion to support this or um, what is the the feeling
2: of the of the board?
1: I know, Rich, you said you are not going to vote. Correct. That? I don't think it's appropriate. Let I'll, I'll speak up.
4: Um, I am um, also um, there was a, a recommendation that community um feedback be a part of the um, initial study so you know i think we could put that into if we did write a, a letter of support we could put that in as a as a recommendation i think we'd want to um, make sure it's clear in our letter that we're not um weighing in on a particular site that we would be you know um interested in seeing a study that Evaluated whether there is a good site for it right and so. Um, and then, like we did with the landing i'd say we we would want to say that we don't want to prejudice any other. Um, you know application that came in for the open space and parks and rec. Um, component of the cp cpc funding. Um, I do think that um, for the reasons that I said before about expanding recreational opportunities for people of all ages that um, I think are, from a planning point of view, um, public health is is, um, integral to current planning thinking, you know, getting people um, active is really important part of continued good health, and you have to plan for that. And so... um, uh, so I think with those caveats and with those uh, kind of um, notations, that um, I think we could supply a letter of support. That's m- that's my view.
1: So is that a motion, Cheryl? Then to support this with those caveats. Um, I'm ha-
2: I'm I'm fine putting forth that motion. Sure. Um, is there a second? Um, I, I, I'm going to comment before I
7: reply, yes. but uh, I also am a proponent of conducting the study. I, uh, I feel we, we have a responsibility to both those that are proponents of Pickleball and Milton, and we also have a responsibility to support those, uh, uh, namely the group that have concerns for pickleball in Andrews Park, so um, obviously the study needs to be conducted without a bias for anyone. And um, but I think it's it serves the the interest of the residents of town to figure out uh, where we could accomplish, accomplish pickleball in town. And um, uh, it it seems to me that um, the next best step to do that is to uh, Support the study. So I would second Cheryl's motion. Okay.
1: <clears throat> Thank you. And I know, Rich, you are not voting, but I know you're going to take a lot of these comments back, hopefully, to the CPC committee um, when you are making your final um, analysis. But um, so, with this per- a motion and a second, um, I'll take a roll call um, then. And we'll go, Cheryl? Yes. Sean? Yes. Maggie? Um, So this is a tough
5: one for me. Um, I believe in um, activities for our older population. My mother is 85 years old. My grandmother lived in town on her own at Winter Valley to 95. So I fully support activities for um, all adults. But for the reasons I said before, I do think it's a little unfair. The process has been unfair to us. And I also find it interesting that the only residents who showed up to voice their concerns were the residents around Andrews. So I'm wondering if there was just some confusion because it'd be interesting to know what the other um, residents around the other um, fields might have to say about it i'm not necessarily against the sport of pickleball i'm just I, I just feel compelled to vote no on this just because i feel like we have not heard from enough of the town residents as to one where they want their cpa funds to be spent and then if if other residents around other parks would support this
2: mm-hmm.
1: So is that a, 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 no. a no. No, it's
5: a no. Okay.
1: Um and I hear what you're saying, but I think what what the point that Cheryl made is that that the motion is made with community input because I think that's absolutely essential that we hear from all neighborhoods throughout Milton and um and that we really listen to the neighbors of Andrews who have real legitimate concerns um when the study is being done. And again. We're not the final decision maker on this. CPC is the final decision maker. And then ultimately town meeting. So we know it has various steps to go through. And um, and I, I think we're gonna see a difference in the process, hopefully, from the CPC next year. Um, just with regards to supporting letters. I think we've all learned from this. And, and in no way does this not, you know, is this supporting one over another, because I, there's a lot of really good projects, and these are just ones that we've asked to support and and i would vote um my vote would be yes to support um writing a letter for this i believe it falls into our master plan um it's a healthy um thing for our community but but finding the right location um is going to be critical and doing it the right way so um i would vote and support as well um so we will work on a letter mary did you have one more comment that you would?
22: Yeah, well, thank you so much for hearing everybody out. I really appreciated everybody's comments, uh, the community members as well. And um, um, the, you know, Andrews Park Neighborhood Association is very strong and um, they made that, you know, clear. Uh, But they, um, I think there was initially some confusion when we wrote our initial application, it was for Andrews and Kelly. And then we were told to broaden our scope so I think when they first heard about it, they thought Andrews was the place. Um, but and the people who you didn't hear about, who didn't show up tonight to speak, are those 441 people who we got signatures from. So I know.
1: I know folks are very passionate about this this sport. It's really, and amazing. they were town wide. Yeah, we just yep. they so we just them too. to come. Find a spot and um, yeah. We wish Thank you, you very
6: very much. Good night. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Meredith, do we still have something on the agenda? Are you planning on? We getting do. This? All right. Yep. So just for what it's We're worth, I, I if you don't mind, I've got a sweet. flight I got to catch in about four hours, so okay. <laughs> I, right. I'm going to get off now. So if we you don't do,
1: mind. well, you know what? Can we make? Um, we just have one quick thing. Sure. Um, Did you have a chance, if everyone had a chance, the old business approval of the decisions for the 10 Bassett Street site plan approval and the 26 Woodlot Drive special permit amendment. Uh, We need to get just approval of those drafts and authorize uh, Tim to sign on our behalf.
4: Tim, Uh, they're short and sweet. I'll make a motion to um, authorize Tim to sign or execute those letters and file those letters.
1: Second. Great roll call. Uh, Sean? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. Rich? Uh,
13: yes.
2: Maggie? You're muted, Maggie.
5: Yes, sorry.
1: And myself, yes. And that motion was to authorize Tim to sign on our behalf. So thank you, Rich. I appreciate you just staying on for that. Oh,
6: no worries. Thank you so That's much. Great.
1: Okay. All right, and we are wrapping up um, here in the final home stretch. This should just take us a few minutes. Um, MBTA communities, Tim, do you want to just talk about that the February public meeting and the update on? Yeah,
3: consulting? so, so we, um, we 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 talked a little bit about this earlier, but um, Josh and I have been making preparations for this meeting, and um, the it's we're, we're trying to keep it as basic as we can. Um, you know, just to really give the opportunity for for people to start giving us some input. Um, So we've got a sort of a 90 minute agenda kind of drawn up. Um, We're using some um, Zoom based and some other um, software tools to do some sort of in-meeting surveying um, to kind of get an idea of what people's level of knowledge of, of, of uh, of the MBTA Communities Act is. Um, kind of get an idea of you know where where folks are living you know where um, you know what what sort of ideas they have about um, you know uh, about our approach. Um, I've got I've given a number of presentations on this pro on this um, legislation. I'm going to sort of adapt those slightly, um, but it's really just sort of the basic just the facts, not dissimilar from um, briefings that I've given to the planning board and to the select board. Um, you know, just about, you know, this is what, um, this is what the law says, um, this is, you know, what the options for compliance are, this is, you know, these are the deadlines, um, this is what our sort of next steps are in terms of the consultants that we've gotten, um, and kind of what our plan is, you know, for the spring and summertime, um, to, you know, continue to, to work on this and to review it. Um, trying to leave a significant portion of time for Q&A, comments from folks, um, and then we'll also be, um, you know we're we're doing a soft launch this week of just a sort of general survey um, that we want to put out there. Again, you know, getting gauging people's knowledge of the law, um, you know, just getting people into our communications, um, basically. So we'll be soft launching that this week. But, um at that here, at that meeting, we'll kind of blast it out to folks, you know, please take our survey, get on our email list um, so that you can be kept apprised of of any new updates or any new meetings. Um, and then, you know, um, really, you know, at, at this stage, just very basic stuff because, you know, we're still at a point where um, you know we have a knowledge of what the guidelines are, and we want to impart that knowledge but um haven't yet done you know the research and analysis and and kind of the actual specific work that people can sink their teeth into so like i said we're trying to keep it very basic um, and and leave as much time as we can to um to to sort of question and answer and, and and comment period you know with still giving people the opportunity to you know learn about about what they they want to be commenting on Um, so it's, um, that's what we're thinking and, um, I, I think it'll be a good kickoff event and, you know, we should, you know, once we learn a little bit more about, you know, where people are at, I think we can start to tailor our outreach strategy, you know, either geographically or, or based on other methods, um, you know, because, you know, we have in our proposed scope of work for, um, for consultant services through um, the community one-stop grant, we do have, you know, an element of, of community outreach involved with that, but, you know, we've said it before, we've got to continue to be doing this, um, you know, throughout, we can't wait for consultants to to help us out with it. So um, I think we're gonna learn a little bit from the audience at this thing. Um, and, and I think we'll be able to tailor our strategy You know, based on that. Great. Cheryl has her hand up.
4: Yes. Yeah. Um, This is targeted for the entire town or for that one half mile catchment area?
3: So, I mean, it's, you know, it's town wide. It needs
4: to be the town Uh, wide at this point.
3: Yeah. I I just want
4: to be clear because I think it's going to, it's only two weeks out and nobody knows about Mm -hmm. it. To the point about people saying nobody knows about anything, right. and you know it's right before the vacation. I think we've got to do everything possible to get the word out, like get it in the Milton Times, get it in Milton Scene, um, email blast, town website, notice at the library. See if the library will send it out in their email. See if the school department will send it out in their update. I mean, you, you gotta. We've got to really do a full court press on getting the word out. So
5: that's what I was going to ask is, is there anything that we personally can do um, to help get the word out? You know, do you have a link to a survey or are you going to create like a digital flyer or a handheld flyer um, that we can kind of send out to our network of
3: people? Yeah, we're working on those materials. We'll have that stuff done before the end of the week, Um, you know. First thing we do in the office to actually not the first thing I'm buying a car in the morning, so I won't be in until after lunch. Yeah, it's you know, whatever. Um, 2011 Accord. Um, But, um, you know, first thing when we get into the office is just, you know, creating that post on the town website. Creating that post on Facebook, getting that initial blast out there. We'll have materials um, that are a little bit shinier and and and, and nicely formatted um, with all the information um, to go out, you know, to your individual networks. I think you know, Cheryl, you're absolutely right. Physical materials in 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 as many public places as we can get. You know, the struggle that we have here is, you know, you can't schedule the thing too soon without you know giving people enough notice, but then like. You can't do it during school vacation week, and then by the time school vacation week is over, it's March, and you know whatever. So, well, what I've learned in my in my time in in public service is that uh, there's never a good time to hold a meeting. So you just got to have it, and and see where you can fill in the gaps after that. So um, definitely, it's it, it's a well taken point. And again, I I think you know we're gonna learn a little bit from from our audience on this one. And then I, I think we can sort of start to look at, you know, can we do some more geographic targeting? Can we do some more, you know going to neighborhood associations? Can we do some more, you know other forms of maybe non-meeting based um, outreach and, and input? So um, you know this is you know step one. Um, but we've we've got some other things in the hopper um you know just just kind of related to this i am i'm availing myself of every bit of money and assistance that the state is putting out there um chapa the citizens housing and planning association is offering outreach technical assistance i have a meeting with uh, with someone over there next week um, mapc is kind of convening all of the inner core rapid transit communities in a kind of knowledge exchange um, so that's cambridge quincy somerville milton newton brookline um, so we'll all be talking to each other to kind of you know learn you know what are we what are we all doing um, you know what are some best practices that we found um, you know what are some you know issues that i think we all might may share that'll be you know important to to talk through um, so we're we're trying to hit everything um, so that's where we are
1: Thank you, Tim, for that update. And um, definitely, um, without even doing a survey, we can tell you that no one knows about this. So everyone we talk to just interfacing it really is um, something that people who live right along the line train line don't do not realize so. All right, thank you. Oh, and um, Tim, is there any update from the select board on they were talking about writing a letter, uh, talking about how our trolley is unique. Um, I think in the Commonwealth, you know, in the area, and also, you know, I think we can't emphasize enough that half of our train line that ha- we only were at- being asked to put, you know, twenty five percent on only one half because the other half is in Boston, and I think that really calls for. Um, you know, consideration for the numbers yeah. of what we're being asked.
3: So, so to take that one first, you know, the, the way that the the way that the guidelines address that, there's sort of it's it's built in based on the developable area in the transit area. So um, there's a sliding scale among communities. So when when I talk about you know Milton has to put at least fifty percent of its zoning district in the transit area and 50% can go elsewhere, that's an acknowledgement of, you know, less than half, but almost half of our transit area is is actually outside of town limits. Um, I actually was on the phone with um, with one of the planners in Newton this afternoon, kind of just talking through what their process is like. They have to do 90% of their district within the transit area, because if you know Newton, you know, those green line stops are very squarely within city limits, and so, All of their developable area, for the most part, is within the transit area. So the acknowledgement of that is, all of their district has to go in there, Um, and so that's kind of it's it's built in in that way. In in terms of the trolley, um, you know, I've done I've been trying to do as much research as I can. The data on the trolley is not the best um, compared to other lines, just by virtue of the way it operates. But we do have headway data. Headways are, you know, the train comes at noon comes at 12.05, that's a five minute headway. It's the time between trains. It's a metric of of, of frequency. Um, and frequency is really the thing with transit. Um, if the train comes every half hour, you're not going to use it as much or as reliably as if it came every five or 10 minutes. Um, and you know what I found from the headway data, because you know Meredith, I, I think the, the point about the trolley, I think anecdotally and from observation is like, yeah, this is a different type of thing from the red line, obviously, or even the green line. Um, but when you look at the actual frequency of it, um, and, and I can share this data, I don't have it at my fingertips right now, but, you know, the headways are actually better than anything, except the red line downtown, which has two lines in it. Um, you know, in the peak hour, we have between five and six minute headways, compared to eight minutes on the D line through Newton and 10 minutes on the red line coming from Ashmont. So, you know, the the heavy rail that we actually feed into has worse frequency than the trolley does. Um, You know, which, you know, may come as a surprise to people, but, you know, this is empirical data that the T collects. What what I've, we're still doing a little bit more analysis, but what I've recommended to the town administrator, and and we'll have this conversation with the select board is, you know, we should continue to pressure the T with every Piece of leverage that we possibly have to continue the Mattapan Line Transformation Project, get those cars refurbished, get those stations refurbished, um, because it's it's obvious that the, the cars are in not good condition, you know, it's it's plain as day. The, the stations are in really bad shape. Um, the, the, the problem with that is these are just chronic T issues, um, you know the the, trolley is not catching on fire like the orange line is, Um, you know, so we've got that going for us. I think everyone has complaints with the rolling stock. Everyone has complaints with um, the condition of the station. So I think there's not as much of an angle there to say, you know, Milton should get some sort of special consideration, but I think it is generally, and I think a lot of towns will say this, that like, look, you're asking us to increase our density around transit. You need to pull your weight in terms of having a frequent reliable safe comfortable service um which i think a lot of towns you know have that same argument so um you know i, I think that's still a discussion happening at the select board um and uh, we'll definitely keep you posted on where it goes thank you and then just in terms of um timeline from um from utile um it it looks like um there'll be some background kind of desktop type work that they're doing in february and a they'll they'll do they'll be able to do a kind of a first run through the compliance model which basically means you know we will have provided them with you know uh a, 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 an idea of like this is the district boundary that we want um you know these are the dimensional kind of restrictions that we want this is the density that we want you know we'll provide them with those initial inputs to create you know that first kind of draft option um and that that they'll be able to get that through sometime in march um and and i, I think the way that we've talked about this is you know creating something that you know is and and i want to stress this as, as much as i can and, and we should all continue to stress it um you know a first draft of something that we can look at and say like this element of this is good let's keep it this element of this is bad Let's get rid of it this element needs further study and, and really something that can feed into a cost benefit fiscal municipal service analysis um you know so that we know you know okay we've got an idea of what these you know this build-out is going to look like um, there may be additional runs through that model once we have more information have done those analysis do more of the community outreach but i think you know getting something on paper you know, the, the folks can sink their teeth into and look at. And finally, you know, this is kind of the first big reveal of the the whole, you know, thing. We're going to have this public meeting on the 16th, rehashing a lot of information that's kind of been floating around for a long time. I think once UTL is able to sort of spit out a product out of the compliance model, then we'll have like, okay, here's the, here's the thing. And, and, and we'll be able to hopefully digest it. Um, but we'll, we'll at least take some bites out of it. So, um, we're talking about March for that. So I think February is going to be a big, you know, just kind of outreach education, getting people into the fold and into the conversation. Um, and then March is going to be a little bit more kind of nitty gritty, nuts and bolts, um, you know, uh, detail oriented stuff.
23: But not
5: to prolong this whole conversation, but, um, you know i had asked you previously about the compliance model so i'm wondering has it become a little bit more user friendly can like me hop on like that's what what i thought the compliance model was going to ultimately be was it was user friendly anybody could h- come hop on and kind of play with it and when i tried to do that you know several weeks ago i couldn't do it so has it become e- easier
3: no i'm sorry it hasn't oh. um it's you know uh, it's, it's tough. Like there's, it's, it's, so we, we have the in-house capability to, to work with this model, you know, with Alan Bishop, our GIS coordinator, um, you know, Josh has, has more GIS knowledge than I have, and I have a tiny bit, but it, it, it really, unfortunately is, is not a product that is kind of geared towards a lay audience. Um, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that know GIS, but there's many, many, many more people that don't. um And it really is a key component of that. So, you know, that's one thing where, again, you know, you know, you, you know, MHP is paying UTL on our behalf to, to do this, and we're going to want to have them work the model. I think once we have that first draft, you know, as a staff, we'll want to, you know, kind of have some back and forth with the board, back and forth with, um, you know, with residents, with the public process and be able to kind of work on that model ourselves as well. Um, You know, ultimately, um, you know, we're going to have to have one thing to send into DHCD. But I think in the meantime, the the tool is there and the utility in it is, is you you know, once you have it, you know, once you have your inputs in there, it becomes a little bit easier to kind of tinker with it. But it is a lot of very technical knowledge, um, unfortunately. Um, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a marvel. Um, you don't see this type of tool out there a lot. But that also means that it's just very, very complicated. <laughs> so I okay. wish there was something easier, Maggie, but there's not. Yeah.
1: OK. Great. Thank, thank you for that um, update and timeline and from UTIL. So, Tim, um, do you want to just do a quick uh, fiscal year twenty twenty four budget uh, priorities list? Quick.
3: <laughs> Sorry. <A> <laughs> quick <laughs> overview of budget. Oh no! Come on, get out of
5: here. <laughs> I know um, that's why yeah. I say quick.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so the, the 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 reason I asked to get this on the agenda is that um, the um, the town account and the town administrator uh, um, have extended the, the the deadline for supplemental budget requests. Um, you know, we we've talked about um, fiscal 24 priorities in the past. Just like almost every year, there's a level of budget um, funding for everybody. Um, you know, in the previous fiscal year, we did a supplemental budget request for the open space plan. That was a kind of a, a really kind of high profile, big special request. Um, they've extended the deadline for submitting those requests so um I I just wanted to get on the agenda and see like if if the planning board is interested in you know requesting money for projects above and beyond what we hope and expect our our usual um uh, appropriation will be um, there's an opportunity to kind of get that request in.
1: Mm -hmm. Cheryl you have your hands up. Yes. I have one up, but maybe two Two. Um,
4: (laughs) at this hour. Um, Tim mentioned earlier sort of the next step in the codification, and I'd like to suggest um, funding for at least some rewrite of the zoning, and I'll give you some examples. Some of it came out of um, the consultant's previous work was not being implemented yet. I think Maggie will also agree on this one. There's some Pieces of this zoning code that are out of compliance with state law and out of date, and at a minimum, those should be brought up to date. Um, There's sections that lack a purpose paragraph, which I think um, most zoning uh, does include a purpose. To make this more user friendly, I work with zoning codes in other communities. Dimensional tables for your dimensional requirements are so much easier than the paragraph forms that we have. And not only that, we have it in paragraph and you read it, but if you don't read further into the code, you won't find that in fact, what you think you have to comply with is, is canceled out later in the code. So it's, it's, it makes it more difficult for our um, building official to work with, our ZBA to work with. And, um, and applicants to work with. In fact, I saw on the 40B applications that some of them, um, when they had to put together their list of variances, had mistakes in it because you know our zoning is out of date. So um, the other really, I think, big piece of it is we don't even have a comprehensive definition section. The definition of height varies across the zoning code so depending upon where you're looking height can be defined from average grade to midpoint or to high point and so that needs to be really really consistent it's one of the first things i look to when i'm looking at zoning compliance from projects i'm working on in my office is definitions so what's your what's your lack coverage what does lot coverage mean what's your setback what's your height you know all of these things need to be spelled out, and they should be spelled out in a consistent way. So that's not like a rewrite of saying changing, you know, a district. It's not changing a map, but it's getting this code to to actually work better. And so I don't know what that might cost, but Tim, I've heard it might be forty thousand um, dollars. If you have any idea, please say.
3: Yeah, I mean that's that's in the range of of what I've seen for that, and 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 I actually think it's 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 a good idea, especially for a supplemental budget request where, you know, if, if we don't get it, it's not, you know, the end of the world. Um, it's an important project and and one that should probably be prioritized. Um, but, but also I think to Cheryl's point, like, you know, consolidating the setback information in, in one place as opposed to seven places. Um, you know, this is the type of thing that, you know, is a little bit more, you know, give and take, Compared to the recodification that we just did, which is just literally, you know, I don't know how many people have strong opinions on, you know, Romanet one versus lowercase a for subsections, but you know, people may have stronger opinions about this sort of stuff. So I think, um, I, I think it's a, a decent idea for um, for a supplemental budget request, um, and a lot of towns do this periodically. Um, it's it's something that, you know. I'm on the uh, a statewide planner listserv and it seems like every six weeks someone is RFPing out, um, you know, a, a kind of a zoning, you know, we'll call it a rewrite, but it's not really a rewrite. It's, it's sort of just, we'll have to figure out a term for it because we already used recodification. Um, so we'll have to figure mm. out what to call it. How
4: about just uh, phase two of the
1: recodification? Yeah. Well, I would be in support of that request and. I did I do see that as something sort of ongoing. We probably can't tackle everything all at once. Um so even a portion of that if we could do do some some work on that. Um Yeah, and
3: and and I think you obviously, you know, have seen, you know, the bylaw review, review committee for instance has an interest in, you know, cracking open yeah. the hood on the zoning um and and you know, this is, you know, this is where, you know, they would they would shine. Um you know, and I, I think it's kind of in the spirit of the original charge of that group of you know combing through our bylaws um, you know obviously you know this is the zoning as opposed to the general bylaws but um you know i i i think i think it's good and and again you know if we don't get it then you know maybe maybe we look for other resources but we can continue on with our business um, but i think you know maintaining that commitment to you know modernizing and cleaning up our bylaws i think is pretty important so
5: Yeah. Yeah. So again, I know it's getting late, but I know the bylaw review committee um, was requesting, uh, put a request in for some funds for, I think, a clerk or somebody. So if we got this funding, would we be able to, you know, help them out with that funding if they weren't able to get it from another source?
3: I, I mean, it's up to, it's up to you. I mean, ultimately, you know, it would be town meeting, appropriating money, and then the planning board would need to scope out, you know, the exact nature of, of the project and, and kind of the services that they'd be looking for. Um, And, and, you know, obviously, you know, other, you know, other committees could be a part of that. Um, If, if you're interested, I, I, I don't know exactly, I, I know, I know they're, they're looking for kind of administrative services, Um, you know, to, to, to what end in terms of, their kind of workload and their kind of work plan. I don't, I don't exactly know. Um, yeah. But also, you know, th- that that group is also looking at the general bylaws, um, you know, as well. So, you know, this is the type of thing where, if if you know, they can they can focus on that and 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 you know, we can put some money behind zoning and kind of come together. But you know, this is a long way of saying ultimately it's up to you all to to okay. decide how I'll, you want that to work.
4: Yeah, I mean, my <laughs> suggestion and thought was that we would have. General code, update the actual electronic version because it becomes live on a website too. And that's searchable searchable on a website is just so important. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is just a zoning um, attorney because you know it is law and like these discrepancies in law. I you know I'm not an expert at. I don't know that that committee is an expert at. So I think an outside, um you know zoning expert could be beneficial and with zoning with a uh, general code that that was my thought
1: so Tim could we get like a like a just a little bit more specific on what like a certain number would get us like how many hours would we be getting a consulting fee or you know legal advice um you know something a little bit more detailed or, or just would they typically put in, you know, just a, a, a ballpark number and with a more general. Um,
3: yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we, I, I can do, I can do the research. I, I think, I think they're looking to get these supplemental budget requests mm-hmm. in. Okay. Um, but, but I think, you know, uh, I, I think, I think, you know, if we said 40,000 bucks, we'd be able to get a job done for that. Um, you know, Oops so I, I don't think that, I don't think, well, Cheryl.
4: Sorry, I was just thinking, do you, do you, um, do you recall general code having a sort of opt-in unit or another service, which is um, that like project applications would also be searchable and a, a much better system of having project information available on the web the town website i think they have a unit like that
3: yeah the i mean the 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 issue with that is that we've got a different vendor that runs our our website or that not doesn't but it's 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 a product that we use to sort of build the website so that's a little bit of a broader conversation of you know, does does that vendor have a similar tool? And and if they do, we would want to use that because we're already paying for it versus, um, you know, if we need to bring in sort of an outside. Um,
4: okay, because I remember having Joe Pranda came to the planning board at one time and looking for support for a module that would make it easier. People have a hard time finding our information on the website. Yeah. You know, we think they, it's hard to to get people to be aware of projects, I hear from so many people they can't find information about what things that we're working on, projects what we have before us because it's like buried into the website so far, so. Yeah,
3: so, so the good the good news on that is we received um, a state um, IT grant to, um, to revamp our, our, the whole town website. Um, and it, it, it'll, it'll the, the look will be, well, the look will kind of generally be the same in terms of the design but what is gonna change is um, how it's used on the back end, which is how we use it. Um, currently, it's just, it's a real pain to upload documents. And the the, the way that the, the information is organized on the website is really a function of, this is the best way to do it without spending your entire life updating the website. Um, and so, you know, the, the changes that we're looking at going to make it much easier to upload documents and organize pages and 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 things like that. So I, I, that's a fix that's already kind of in the process of happening. Um, in terms of applications and permits, um, I, I don't know where, because I, I, Joe and I talked about this a while back, I, I don't know where that went, um, but I, I'm actually, you know, every, every month and a half I get a, a, an email from someone demoing, some new permitting software or website. So, you know, there's a ton of stuff out there. Um, and that's something where I think, you know, step one is what is the new website that the whole town is gonna to be using, gonna look like? And then step two is, does it meet our needs and do we need to look elsewhere for our needs?
4: Or maybe that'll be next year's supplemental yeah. budget yeah. request. Okay. okay, are we done?
3: Uh, <laughs> okay, I think we need a, I think we need a motion. So I
1: may, uh, are you done, Meredith? No, can we but, make it? But I think Tim needs to hear that we would like to have the supplemental budget request. Yeah. All right. So then I'd like That's to make a, make a motion, motion um, to request
4: $40,000 for what I'm going to call phase two of the recodification, which would address um, some of the items that general code had identified in their initial work. Um, such as uh, some parts of our zoning code being out of compliance or inconsistent with state law. And then other things that we've identified as um, consistent um, definitions at the front section of the code, dimensional tables uh, that put information in one place rather than scattered throughout, adding uh, purpose to sections,
1: uh, and other things of similar nature. I second a roll call Uh, Maggie yes Cheryl yes Sean yes and myself yes okay all right we have just had our first um, capital improvements committee um, meeting also and I had on their committee updates but I'm going to defer that and I'll let you all know what's happening with that in open space and recreation and I would love to hear from all of your committees um, at, at a next meeting. So uh, look forward to hearing those. And with that, I am, if Tim, do you have anything else? And otherwise, we can have a motion to adjourn. Motion to adjourn.
2: Second. You're muted, Sean,
1: but Sean did a second. Donald <laughs> I'll take Double that second. As a second. Okay. All right. Maggie? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. yes. Sean? Yes. And myself, yes. Good evening Thanks, all. Thank Can you for I... everyone who stayed Good on. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Take care.